here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I like him. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, like in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, the king of banter himself. Uh, what is it? Well-reasoned and, and well-thought-out. Joe, I don't know. Joe Lanza, what's up? It's the reasoned and well-explained <laughs> Joe Lanza. Well, you were not well explained last week when you kept screwing up what you thought 16-bit games were. And you caused, you caused quite the uproar, Joe. I don't know. I Listen, okay, you want to do this again? I know full well <laughs> what 16-bit games are. My argument, sir, was that there's more charm in the generation before that. All right, you're wrong, but that's all right. Well, that's an opinion. You can't tell no, me I'm wrong. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, no, no. It's a bad opinion. It's a bad opinion. Well, listen, that's your opinion that it's a bad opinion. <laughs> but... <laughs> but I've, I've had a very good opinions though. In, in, in real time, my favorite gaming system was the Sega Genesis, Rich, which is a 16-bit gaming sure, system. Right. Same um, as I, yeah, as well as I was growing up. So yeah, I, I, I preferred the uh, Sega Genesis to the Super Nintendo. I was not a Super Nintendo guy. I was a sport. I, I've always been, and I still love. Like sports games were always a part of. Like yeah, there was a lot of games that I really loved. You know, your Sonics and stuff. But it was always the sports games, and and those were there was just more of them on on Genesis, and they thought they were a little bit better on Genesis too. So I was always I was gravitated to whatever system had the better sports games. That's how I've been my entire life. Same mindset. The Genesis, the sports games on Genesis were always a little bit better than the sports games on Super. Like head to head too. Like the same game on both systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're, you're like Madden 95 or whatever would be better. Right. And then you had uh, Sega Sports was was pretty solid at that point too. I mean, you had those, uh, the NFL 94, the ones with old Joe Montana and the Chiefs or whatever. And then uh, I think later they had like Deion Sanders primetime football or whatever, but they had their own little sports division that was always pretty solid as well. They always right. put out pretty good games. But if you, but if you were, uh, you know, if you were a uh, Donkey Kong, Super Punch-Out, Mario guy, you know, I could see why you'd be into the Super Nintendo. You know, it was a uh, my brothers were into that shit. You know, <laughs> do you do but, uh, Mario ironically, or is that like the thing? Do you do you, do you say Mario? I uh, yeah, I did the the early Mario games, the the early no, Super I, Mario. I mean, the, the calling it Mario and not Mario. Well, his name's Mario. Okay, because I'm just because there was a discussion on another podcast I listened to, and there was one guy from from like the New York area, and he called it Mario. And there was another guy from the Midwest, and they were like at coming, almost nearly coming to blows about Mario versus Mario. So oh, I, I haven't curious. even, I, I got to tell you, I hadn't even thought about that until you brought it up. And then when you were describing it, I, I guess I do say it a little different, huh? No, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a regional thing because I think, um, for whatever reason, yeah, and, and that's why I thought of it because there was that other podcast, and they were like, the one guy was like, no, it's Mario. He's like, I call people Mario. Like, I, I would call, and it, it's just really strange that, that, um, 
it'd be so different in it. But I, I guess it makes sense with Jersey, New York. You know, that's what I was just going to say. Like people that I've known in my life, I've I've called them Mario. Yeah, not I've never Mor- known a Mario. Mario. I grew like, up in Chicago. What so the I fuck think- is Mario? I don't know what that is. But when you say that, I now I notice that people do say Mario. But that sounds like Moro Ronaldo. That's a different fucking name. I say Mario. Is that is that? I add a little bit more of the A there. I don't know. I I've always said Mario. Like people I've known in my life that had that name, you call him Mario. This is, I guess, it's just like you're saying. <laughs> I guess on the East Coast. Mario Lemieux was it Mario Lemieux for you? Mario Lemieux, yeah, okay. Mario Lemieux, yeah, absolutely. What do you call him? Yeah, Mario. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> Mario. Mo- I see what you're saying. I'm kind of adding like a U unnecessarily, and and yeah, Mario I, I, Lemieux. Yeah, you're right. Well, it, see, it, here's it. the thing. I'm not going to defend Northeast, especially Northeastern Italians. I know we don't pronounce anything right, but it's just. But if there's one thing you guys would pronounce right, it's the name. Uh, it's, Mario it's the name or Mario. Mario. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're, I feel we're like going to pronounce Italian names correctly. Right, you should have that one. I'm going to let you guys have that one, regardless of what I think or if I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds weird. I feel like if anybody should be the 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 authority on how to pronounce the word, the name Mario slash Mario, it, it, we should let it the jersey. Let you guys choose it, and then whatever you guys decide how it's pronounced, that's how we just go. And then the rest you of the make a fair point. That. I think we would know how to say Mario. Right, exactly. I wouldn't. I've never known. The only Marios I've ever known are Mario Lemieux and Super Mario. So it's like most. That's what his real name is. So there you go. Most accents sound ignorant and like uneducated. And I am fully aware that the Northeastern <laughs> Italian accent sounds ignorant and uneducated. Like, does, like what accents sound educated? Like a Brit, Brit some British accents. Yeah, but sound some are very like brutal. Educated. Some are like very, very brutal. Oh uh, yeah, very, like yeah. yeah, yeah, like the like the uh, like like the uh, yeah you know, like the British hooker accent. You know, like <laughs> right, your, your little fake taxi thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that is a very uneducated <laughs> accent. You know, like uh, like the Jack the Ripper era accents, like that kind of stuff. You know. Um, but like, uh, like, Hey governor, like that's <laughs> your Oliver twist. And stuff. Totally on edge. Those people, they sound like the dumbest people on earth. You know. but, but you know, that there's like that upper crust British accent that sounds like, you know, that sounds like an educated, it's one of the few accents that sound educated Southern accents. They sound like absolute dolts. You know what I mean? Northeastern Italian accents. We sound like complete idiots, you know, Midwestern accents. You sound like you're slow. You know, yeah. like well, there, there's, there's, well, there's Chicago, which is completely different. Like the, the and you always remark that you know the, the nurse has like a very the Chicago, nurse has a very yeah. strong Chicago and, and accent. There's a lot again. of those where the Midwest is different because like if, if you're going into broadcasting and all that sort of stuff, they want what they call the Ohio accent, which is just no accent. It's like the most like Joe Buck is the perfect example of Neutral. just like uh, what like there's nothing like you have no clue where the guy's from. There's nothing that he shows. He shows no dialect. He sh- they call it like you know the Ohio accent or whatever. Most yeah. other people have at least something, and most of them sound uneducated regardless yeah. of like like think of like, like a, a southern california accent they sound like they're airheads yeah exactly you know? right right it's like most accents you sound stupid you know but like you're saying the ohio it's like the newscaster accent yeah exactly you know any He's city Syracuse, in america Syracuse educated radio broadcaster right. or newscaster guy that always- no matter where you go you go to any of these places i just named the newscasters all sound the same it's the newscaster accent but like there's a very scant few, like Boston accent. How stupid do they sound? Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> That's my least, that is actually my least favorite accent. Uh, what, the Boston it, accent? Yeah, I can't. I can't it's a do pretty it. bad like, accent. Like, people, The Departed, great movie. I could not get through the movie. I, I shut it off. And everyone's like, it's good. I'm like, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's great. 
I just can't do it. I can't do Ben Affleck and Matt Damon with these like really horrible, deep Boston. I, I just couldn't do it. It, it, it turned. I was. I, I wanted to like the movie. I wanted to watch it. I've never watched it again. Like I've watched half of it and then turned it off and then never watched it again. Yeah, Australian accents, very stupid sounding. Oh accent. God, yeah, those yeah. are. We, we all, you know, most accents are stupid, stupid. You know, you know what's a very, you know what else is a neutral accent? I would say that doesn't sound smart and it doesn't sound dumb. It just sounds like whatever is an Irish accent. What do you think of the Irish accent? Uh, yeah, I'm usually pretty good on the Irish accent. Pretty yeah, neutral, it, right? Yeah, it's not as harsh as, as, as some of the English accents. Like, I think that it, it helps that maybe the first few times you hear it, you're kind of like, oh, geez, wow, that's kind of weird. Like, cause they'll, there'll be a few things that they say a little different, a little few, but then once you kind of get used to it, you know, you listen to an Alan 4L podcast, you know, one time through, you're pretty well good after that. And then it never really strikes you as, as being unique. I gotta tell you, Alan's got a pretty tame, he's got a, he really does. No, it's not bad. What do our uh, loyal listeners in the Isle of Man sound like? Uh, I think, well, the Isle of Man is, is, um, I always feel bad because I actually never know where the Isle of Man is. I looked it up. It's, it's off the coast of Scotland, right? You're, you're oh, our they, Isle of Man correspondent. Is that do they, do they sound like Scots? Because that's like, what I don't know. Yeah, you never know with like weird because there's like weird islands that you have no clue who like took over that island because like and you get that with a lot with like the Caribbean and stuff like that where, where people just have these weird accents where like it makes no sense that they sound the way they do but it's just like you know whoever colonized them many many years ago. I I don't know about the Isle of Man. I would assume they. I, I think it's well, yeah, nobody likes. I, well, listen, here's the thing. Nobody likes a Scot. So if they sound like a Scot, that's not good. Yeah, okay. in, uh, in, in 1266, they became a part of Scotland. So that, does, that doesn't matter. Ah, Scot, I forget it. You know, that's like people from over there, nobody likes the Scots. Do we have Scottish no, they listeners? Kind of. <laughs> Dude, I'd assume so. We have, we have listeners in uh, 127 countries. So. Why am is I that the number two weeks ago? I don't think that's the number you used two weeks ago. But yeah, Isle, Isle of Man is like wedged in between Scotland and Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So they could be anything. God only knows what they sound like. Could be real dirty. Could be real bad. They got a weird flag. It's like three legs running. <laughs> yes, forward. it's so strange. I don't know what's going on with that flag. <laughs> like a three-legged man, right? Yeah, one of our one of our Isle of Man listeners, uh, he he subscribed to the forums, uh, voicewrestling.com slash forums, by the way, and and he was like, Hey, I can't set an avatar, it's being kind of weird or whatever. Can you set one for me? And I was like, Well, what do you want? And he's like, Ah, whatever, just put something there in default and I'll see what I can do. So I went and found the Isle of Man flag, and that's when I first discovered whatever the hell that Isle of Man flag was, and I put it as his avatar, and I think he still has it. So if you do see someone on the voice wrestling forums and you see a uh, like a red flag with three like whitish, you know, kind of cream colored legs. Uh, that's our uh, one of our Isle of Man listeners, one of our many Isle of Man listeners. We should go to Japan someday. We should go to Japan you know. one day. Yeah, someone should. Me and you should go to Japan. We should. We should do a show from Japan. The guy, a lot the of guys in Japan is, right now. Oh, there are a lot of people in Japan. We have nothing to John talk about. John Carroll's in Japan. <laughs> if you can't tell, we have no Gordon fucking Gordon. topics to talk about today. Go on. Who's in Japan? Who else is in Japan? Yeah. Is, um, is uh, other people? Is I'm Phil sure, the heat up guy in Japan people? again? He usually goes uh, right. I don't Phil know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know if he's in Japan. Not sure. Yeah, I mean. But everyone's going to Japan except uh, himself, so that's... I don't know why we're not going to Japan. Why yeah. don't we never go to Japan? I don't know, man. Could, are, would, do you think you'd be able to do the flight? Oh, I could do it. The flight, I don't mind at all. I don't... Okay, I don't it's mind. a travel that you got as you shook, right? No, I don't care about the flight. I, I, I am just scared of being somewhere where no one speaks English. I, I'm terrified that I would <laughs> not be able to leave the airport because I wouldn't know how to get anywhere. You know, like that's what scares me about Japan. If I go to Japan, I need like our boy Jojo or something 
Right. So it pick us up at the airport and and, and take us because you know when I was in Italy, it was people would they kind of knew you were an American pretty quickly just because of the way you dressed or the way you looked or, yeah. or they could see the look on your face. So, you know, I would approach them and, 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 and the second I open my mouth, they would just start speaking English to me and be like, okay, like I would try to say like one word in it and they're just like, shut up, stop here. Like, and, and you know, they, they, they were then a little bit, but I don't know if Japan, like that's my worry as well is that like, I, I go to somebody and I say something and they're just gonna look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? But I've heard they're very accommodating though. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have the same fear as well. It's, it's less of a fear now that I've been to Italy but still a little bit more because that's a whole different and like I can read stuff in Italian, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's a base of our still our same language. So you see a word and you're kind of like, okay, I can kind of break that word down. I, the characters, I mean, my God, I, I would, I'm going to be on a train and I'll be five hours away from Tokyo in like two. That's what I'll, yeah. yeah. I'll that's be like, well, this is taking a long time to get to Tokyo. And then I get off and I'm just in some farm town. No, you get off and you're, you're in North Korea and then <laughs> right, you're in yeah. prison getting Singapore caned or something. You know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm terrified. I think they Singapore came people in Singapore, not uh, North Korea. I basically just mixed up three cultures. <laughs> exactly. Three different cultures there. First and of somehow all, somehow you've taken a train ride over a, a that's right. but, through China. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Kim Jong il has beaten me with a Singapore cane because I, I don't know what I'm doing. Dude, on the train. Ill is dead. Ill is dead, I believe. Well, whatever. The other one with the bad haircut. The, you know, but the, the point here is the one that loves Dennis Rodman. So I can't even navigate subway systems in my own country. Right, like, yeah, you freaked out when New Orleans. You had to park like four blocks away from a venue. So right, like I get, I don't need. So how the hell am I going to operate in Japan where nobody speaks? It? Forget it. I need a chaperone. I need someone to meet me at the airport, Triple hold H. my Triple hand, H. just take me right to Cork and Hall and just leave me there because I'm not because <laughs> I'm not sightseeing. I'm not into it. You know what I mean? Like I just want to go to wrestling. I'm not interested in your fucking cherry blossom gimmicks. I'm not interested in any of that or whatever else they got going. We go, on. We go to we go to an arcade or two with me. That's all. No. I want. arcades and then wait, like wait, wrestler wait. steakhouses. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll go to the steakhouse gimmick because that's wrestling okay. related, right? Hey, listen, if I'm with you, yeah. Here's the yeah. I'll go to the arcade with you or whatever. Okay, Maybe thanks. we'll run into Kenny Omega. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the point here is, I'm not going to see fucking mountains and cherry blossoms and fucking nightclubs. I'm not going to Rapongi. I'm not interested. Okay. Oh, I think you should um, go to Rapa. I feel like you should be interested in Rapongi, but that's not your game. That's more my game. But that's that. Oh, yeah, we'll go on. I just, I, I would go there. I'm just going there to see wrestling. You know, I want to go to Cork and Hall. I want to, you know, may, I don't even know if I want to go anywhere else but Cork and I, I don't. I'd be afraid to venture out. I don't know if I want to go to like. Uh, I would do one of the big domes. I would do like a sumo hall or whatever. I do a big dome like that or a Tokyo. I like to. Yeah, I like like to go to the problem with sumo hall is I don't want to sit in those fucking box sumo seats, (laughs) Indian style. My back back would be ravaged by that. Like that would not go. Rich. Not only that, I'm a classy man. If I'm shelling out some money, I want a seat. Okay, I'm not sitting on the floor. Okay, I, I listen. I, yeah, I'm showing out the big bucks. Put me in a fucking chair. But I'm good match. You can't toss your uh, your uh, pad into the ring. Yeah, I either want to walk, I either want to stand or sit in a chair. I'm not sitting on the floor Indian style with my shoes off. I'm not. I wonder doing what they it. think about your standing. I never see that many guys standing at a show, at like a Japanese. So you know what I mean. Like you always see them; they're always in seats. I, I don't know. Well, in a big arena, you got to sit. I'm, you know, when I go to these, you know, dumpy indie shows, I prefer to stand. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in a, an arena, of course you sit. Unless yeah. you, I have a good, if I could find a good sight line, I'll stand. But usually you just sit in your seat. You know what I mean? Unless I'm sitting near some mouth breathers or something, you know, like if you're sitting next to like wrestling fan Gen Pop, I got to get out of there sometimes. I can't deal with it. But um, but but if I was in Sumo Hall, I definitely wouldn't be sitting in those. I wouldn't buy those. And those are good seats. You know what I mean? So 
I, I assume they have regular seats, but they're probably up in the nosebleed somewhere. So I don't know what I would do. I don't. You know what? I just talked myself out of going to Sumo Hall. I don't think I could. Deal with oh, it. damn! I don't think I can deal with it. You know, we'll go to we'll go to, Tokyo, how far is Osaka from Tokyo? I'd like to go to that building. Uh, that I do not know off the top of my head, but uh, there's still time if we get there uh, pretty quickly. I think uh, we got to be there by uh, tomorrow. <laughs> so well, listen, here's the thing. Much. I think I think our boy Kadani would let us on the New Japan bus, right? We oh, could, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mike know? in tow so we can interview everybody. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got a lot of pals on the New Japan bus. You know, we could we could hop on. But, you know, we could either get on the Suzuki gun bus with, with Lance or we can hop on the the, the New Japan bus with uh, with Kadani and Big Mike, right? You know, either way, I think we're covered. So maybe we wouldn't even have travel woes. You know, we'd have chaperones and everything. Yeah, maybe anybody, a limo waiting for us. How many do people hate us in that? How many people hate us in that locker room? Um, I don't think anybody does. Cody, you know, think as long as Cody R isn't there, we're good. Who? Yeah, Cody R. Oh yeah, Cody R. Yeah, that's true. As long as Cody R isn't there, I think we're pretty good. But I, I don't. You know, I, 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 I always well, kind of Cody I, R. and and Nick Jackson. So. <laughs> We would not be welcomed on the Bullet Club bus. No, the Bullet Club bus would hate us. But Omega likes us. Omega's read a few of our articles. I know he's. I think uh, Omega and and Matt like Matt Jackson likes us. Nick (laughs) Jackson does not like us. Nick Jackson does not like us. But to be fair, I think he hates Brian Rose more than us. But I think he just hasn't let it go because he blocked us like three years ago because Brian Rose gave him. And Brian Rose doesn't even write for us anymore. He's an F4W guy now. But yeah, he should probably let it go, Nick Jackson. Not that I care, but it wasn't us, man. There's a lot of people that work here. Speaking of working here, Joe, ZipRecruiter, before we get into our topics here, whether it's WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, or the Indies, Joe, you know that the key to success is a strong roster and great promoters. Know that having the right wrestlers comes from scouting in all the right places. And Joe, finding talent for your business isn't any different. You can find the... You can't find the best candidates just by posting your job onto one site. You need to post on all the chop job sites, and you can do that now with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology will officially match the right people to your position. Over 80% of jobs on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No more juggling emails. No more stupid calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard in today. Our listeners can start forming their own winning roster on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. And we thank them once again for sponsoring this week's show. So, Joe, okay, we got, uh, as I said, not a lot to talk about, but there's some stuff to talk about here. Um, I don't know that we have a, con- a real order here. Where, where do you want to go? We got like some, just kind of give people an idea of what we're going to break down here. We got some big picture G1 stuff to talk about, uh, scenarios uh, as they're going to play out. Again, we're recording this on the third, so we know that by the time a lot of people listen, there a show will have already happened and um, stuff will, you know, things we talk about in scenarios might not play out, but just keep that in mind that we're recording this on the third. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We got the Progress New York City show, uh, Russell Circus, AEW LaSalle, so we'll get into some uh, indies. Uh, a little we bit. Haven't here. Done, uh, we haven't done the indie wrestling in a while. Yeah, no, it's been a while. So let's, we're going to dust off the indies. Slow week, so I figured uh, we'll bounce around the indies, Rich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as we, as we still try to kind of get through the backlog of of, of uh, you know Japanese wrestling, where you know with G one now, it's like I, I the last thing I really want to do is watch any other Japanese wrestling right now, like or any wrestling in general right now with uh, the, just the slog that the G one has kind of become. Just and it's like it's been great, but it's just it's so much and and. When it's all said and done, you just don't want to watch wrestling. So, uh, Bounce Around Japan will come back pretty soon. We're just still trying to get, we're finding a, a good spot to kind of catch up and, and jump back into a lot of promotions as well. But that will come uh, in time. We want to talk about some post WWE indie runs. We had a tweet uh, yesterday uh, talking about guys that have had good or bad uh, post WWE indie runs, who's been the most disappointing, who's been the best, 
who's been the worst. We'll talk a little bit about that as we talk about indies. Uh, and then some interesting stuff in the ROH uh, New Japan for a wrestling relationship. And uh, uh, Kenny Omega coming to America again, coming to Chicago, a new stop on the Global Wars Tour. And, uh, yeah, you know, that relationship always, <laughs> always interesting. So we'll talk a little about that and stuff that we heard uh, from uh, some parties in uh, New Japan about that. So. And two, uh, two, two big-time WWE singles matches from WWE TV this mm. week. Of course. Cannot forget about play. those. Hey, yeah, you know what? Let's start with that. Okay, let's do it. It's fresh in our minds. Unfortunately, it is. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Two big WWE TV matches. We had a first-time ever – would you call this a dream match, Rich? Uh, John Cena versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I would uh, yeah, oh, no, absolutely. From a charisma standpoint alone. I mean, that that how, in 2014, if someone said, hey, Nakamura versus Cena, you'd say, oh, God, yeah, give me that. That's that's a dream match in any any company anywhere. So, yeah, absolutely. Two of the biggest stars in wrestling over the last decade, fair to say. Yeah, two good workers, you know. Their first, uh, <laughs> their first singles match is it the first time they were in a ring together. I believe it is. Oh, it's got it. I mean, there might have been so, some random house show tag or something like that. But I don't think there was. One -on -one, I mean, yeah, that, that's you're probably right. I, I don't recall any other um, mentions of. Well, Casino was gone for for so long too. Yeah, no, it probably has got to be the first time they've ever been in the yeah, ring. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'll have the producer look that up as I'm speaking here. Yeah, no, he's, he's doing uh, it right now. But but I uh, I believe it's the first time they were in the ring together. I got to tell you, Rich, um, this was a nothing match. Very disappointing. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, okay, basically, uh, this was on SmackDown, of course. The match was basically a, uh, they did their pre-match stare down, you know, and uh, that the two big stars are apt to do. Then they uh, went to a rest hold to set up the commercial break. So, okay, it's a WWE TV match. You're going to get that. <laughs> You're going to get the rest hold into the commercial break, or you're going to get the uh, dive to the outside to set up the commercial break. You know what I mean? Uh, you kind of can't can't avoid that. Um, it's the restraints of uh, commercial television. Fine, but it's the problem is it's not. Uh, one thing, real quick, uh, a little bit of a is if you go back and you watch old, you know, go watch old Monday Night Raws, old Nitros, or whatever. They did the commercial breaks in a way where it seemed like it was a deterrent that they were doing the commercial break. You know what I mean? Like it was like, oh crap, we got to go to a commercial right now. Like no. It was that sort of like Shivani was great about doing that on Nitro. Like, no, I can't believe we got to go to commercial. Or like Ross would do that too. Like, okay, well, this will be our last commercial. And then we'll come right back or whatever. Whereas now it's just like, all right, we got to do it. Like, whatever. Nobody cares. It's not like it, they don't play it up as if it's, it is getting in the way of the match more so that now I, I, they've just kind of let that go. And it's just like, yeah, it's part of the match now is, is a commercial break. And it sucks. It's you know, you're right. Cause I'm thinking about it now as you're talking me through that. Why can't they do the ring, the, like the introductions and then take the commercial. Yeah, and that's if you go back and watch a lot of Attitude Era Raws, they'll do that. They'll introduce the guys, and Jim Ross is like, all right, we got to do one more commercial break, and then we'll be back, and no more after that. Or like, then we're at just this match. Or I forgot how we would phrase a lot, but yeah, he would phrase it that way every single time. Like, all right, look, this is our last thing. We promise when we come back, the match is going to start or whatever. Whereas you make it seem like there, there's actually production going on, or that, you know, the guys in the ring truck are like, hey, no, 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 let's go to commercial, and then we'll do them. Like, have some decor. Like, it, it would make no sense for there to be a you know, an NBA game, and they're like, all right, well, these are really clutch free throws, but I guess we got to go to commercial, so we'll come yeah. back. Like, you know, like, it, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's, it's really weird how they uh, they do it now. Where it's just, well, I think it's because it's 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 either live, in, in the case of Raw, or, or the pay, or, or they, or, or a lot of their stuff is live to tape. If you've ever been to a WWE taping, they are the worst fucking wrestling event you could possibly go horrible, to, yeah. because everything is live to tape. So, even if you go to an event that's taped, Okay, uh, it's not like, you know, like they still take the commercial breaks. 
like that that three minutes or whatever is worked into the live show and everything goes dark and then they come back from the from the it, it's live to tape and it's awful so i think uh that's part of the reason they probably do it um it, it, but it, but it sucks and it kills the momentum of everything but in this case it didn't really kill the momentum of anything because the match hadn't really gotten rolling yet so they go to commercial out of this rest hold and they come out of commercial and then rich they go right into the closing stretch of the match this match had no meat there was no meat to the match there was no story to this match it was a stare down a rest hold a commercial break and a closing stretch um you know it, it was uh it, 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 and then, you know, the two key moments in the match, of course, were Nakamura kicking out of the attitude adjustments and then uh, Nakamura hitting the backdrop driver on Cena, followed by the Kinshasa and, and picking up the pin. And he will face Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam, uh, which has a chance to be a god awful match yeah, because well, Nakamura has bad, not but... been good. Uh, he, he's been mailing it in and he has not been good. And Jinder Mahal stinks. I mean, we don't have to do that all over again. But uh, I would suspect that that one will be heavy with shortcuts as usual. I think the uh, the Singh brothers will will once again work their asses off, and 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 but but it'll be a terrible match. Um, so Nakamura Cena though, Rich, what a fucking wet fart this was. I mean, very disappointing. Yeah. Um, the closing stretch, I guess, was fine, but it still wasn't anything special. I think uh, Nakamura kicking out of the AA was supposed to be like this seminal moment. Um, it didn't really come off that way, honestly. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, this was a lazy match. Um, now you can, you can come with the, uh, from the perspective of, okay, but it's just a TV match. So maybe if this were a pay-per-view, I agree. If this were a pay-per-view match, I'd be much harder on it than I am now. I'd probably be yelling and screaming and really burying these two guys. But to be fair, it's not like WWE TV matches, particularly main events of Raw and SmackDown have, you know, you know, it's not like they don't produce great matches uh, from time to time. But what this reminded me of, Rich, was an old, 70s or 80s territory style where they would throw the viewer a bone, do a big time main event, but they wouldn't give away a great match or a clean finish. In this case, you got the clean finish, but you you definitely got the old territory style mailed yeah. in effort from the two participants uh, in this case. And there's a match on the network. I believe it's uh, Terry Funk versus Bill Watts. I know it's Funk for sure. And I think the opponent is Watts. And it's in one of those special collections they released uh, a couple months ago where people were really hyped to see this because people hadn't seen it in years. And it was kind of a dud of a match because it was a it was a it was a studio style main event. And it was very clear that Funk and Watts were not going to give away their best effort uh, in this studio match. And it had a shitty finish and all those sorts of things. That's what this reminded me of an old 70s studio style mailed in effort from two top of the card guys. Yeah, I've gone through and watched a lot of the old uh, Saturday nights, like the NWA era Saturday nights or whatever. And you got those every every like five or six weeks or whatever. It'd be Flair versus whoever. Like insert a person. And you're like, oh, cool. Like that finally after you know all these weeks of, of of squash matches, which I don't mind. I like the squash match promo, squash match promo kind of uh, format of the Saturday night. But then, yeah, you'd get this like bone of uh, Flair versus whoever. I mean, insert uh, any number of guys. And you're like, oh, cool. Here we go. And then you watch the match. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, it was just kind of there. And it's just still a studio match. And yeah, you could tell there was still building to the house show, building to that next thing saying hey look this is a tv match hey it's it's cool you're seeing these two stars but hey if you, you're gonna have to come watch us live you're gonna have to do x to see the real big thing you have to go order starcade or you know always one of those things and yeah i got the same vibe from this match as well where it was it was fine it was okay but last week we were on the show and and, and i said i've i've been waiting for nakamura to have that big moment that big match the the big opportunity and this was it this was his big opportunity against john cena 
in the main event. If he wins, he goes to the main, you know, gets the title shot at SummerSlam or whatever. This is this is it. That's had all the makings of Nakamura going, all right, here we go. This is my time to shine. And, and he, I don't, I mean, he just was kind of there again. And I think the more damning thing is just that the crowd, and and yeah, I know it was uh, the Cleveland crowd always kind of has some issues and they're not always the loudest crowd or whatever, but, you know, you can use that excuse a lot. If you're great, you're going to get a crowd to, to, to react to you. And they reacted to the final few minutes, but they didn't care about anything else in between. And I think that's a, that's an indictment on, on Shinsuke Nakamura because we've seen John Cena do great stuff for the last 15 years. We, we know what his body of work is like in this company. And we know what he's able to do to crowds and how he's able to manipulate them and how he's it. But Nakamura hasn't shown any of that yet. And this was another match where it's just like it, it, it happened. It's over. He won. And it was just at the end, like you said, I think the biggest moment for me was when he kicked out of that AA and the crowd just kind of gave him like a polite golf clap. And it's like, dude, that's that's not good. And, and you can you can put some of the blame on, on WWE for how they've sort of used Nakamura uh, so far, but I put a little bit on Nakamura too because he wasn't out there really dragging anything out of the crowd either. He wasn't a guy, the guy that would just in those Japanese crowds would just be able to get every last morsel of 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 their energy and every last little bit of of everything the crowd had. And he's there and he goes in the corner and he makes a silly face and he jumps around a little bit and then he doesn't move and then he goes in the corner and he jumps around and does a silly face and moves his hands around a little bit and then doesn't move and like he just does that and rinse repeat rinse repeat rinse repeat and it's it people are seeing through it and I'm seeing through it and it's not doing much for me and and in a match against John Cena in the main event of a SmackDown for this big moment to just go out there and just have a match is, is just, it's not good enough for Nakamura. It's not, it needed to be more than that. And, and I, again, I'm not going to put the blame on Cena. We know that Cena has a little bit of time to sort of break off the rust. And that always does take an issue, uh, you know, take some time for him, but this is Nakamura's. I mean, he's got to grab this match. Like you you always say, you know, grab this match by the, the horns, really grab this match and, and, and make it his and make but, this his but, moment. But, he does he, but does he, or can he get away with this? And, and- Get by on charisma. And and now I finally I, I, I told you last week I was not gonna decide one way or another on your question. Um because what so the I'm question exactly again, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what exactly? What was the question again, if you remember? Or for people that maybe didn't listen last week. That was the question. Can do you blame Nakamura for mailing it in and if he knows he can get by purely on his charisma? Do you blame him? Uh now I don't anymore because I now he is mailing it. <laughs> like I, after this match, it's impossible possible to say that he's not and and it's really gonna be damning to see what happens at SummerSlam uh, him and gender that's I, unless Nakamura just pulls a rabbit out of his head and and has something in it but I I'm thinking about it in my head and I'm, I'm looking going over the scenarios and, and there's no scenario in my head where this match is anything but uh, a piece of crap because it's just Nakamura has done nothing for me on this main roster absolutely nothing and and this match was all the opportunity that he had to show that this was why he wasn't doing this, and this is why he was mailing it in, and this is why there was a lack of effort, and we talked about the stories, and how he didn't like this, uh, you know, maybe he wasn't in the right thing, or he needed the motivation. Well, this this is everything. This match was every single thing that he could have gotten, and it was a mailed-in performance again by Nakamura. There was just no, none of that juice that you got from Nakamura. You know, it's just, none of that juice you got him in, even when he was in Ring of Honor, even when he was in NXT, like, you just got nothing. For a match that was as dull as this match was, I thought Nakamura was the better of the two. Um, I thought Cena was even uh, – he showed more malaise than Nakamura did here. I mean, Cena just totally went through the motions. He's not here. moving very well right now. I don't know if it's set the finally the 40 years old is catching up to him or if he's kind of just doesn't care that much or he's got one foot out of the door. I don't know what it is, but yeah, he, he was not moving very well in this match. Uh, that, I that ring rust Cena to me. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if – you're at a point now where, I mean, th- he's had this ring rust before and it's usually been shaken off after a few – and, and yeah, I, I guess he's only had maybe three matches or so, but I mean, he's been doing house shows now for over a month and stuff. So I don't know. Is he, I, there's a possibility that this is just kind of, maybe we just saw 
that the peak was a few years ago, maybe where, where we had indie Cena that was just going nuts, and now maybe he realizes that ah, I don't have to do that. Uh, see, here's the thing: I thought he was pretty great before he took this sabbatical, so I don't know if I buy the fact that he just declined overnight. I think there's just something to the fact that it takes this guy a little while to, to maybe, but I mean, it's been three months off and he's, he's getting more and more movie stuff and he's doing more and more things. Maybe he's looking at it and going, Hey, look, do I really want to get out go out there and get really hurt? Like, I, I'm not saying maybe decline, maybe he didn't get bad, but maybe he's thinking in his head, Oh, geez, I don't really need to go out there and kill myself. You know, I, I got one foot out the door. I got a movie going on, you know, in a, in a few weeks, I'll, I'll do my thing. Get, I, I don't know. I have no idea, but it, it'll be interesting to see as the months go on. But the problem is I don't know that he's going to have a whole lot of capacity for great matches. Uh, moving forward, especially if the rumored SummerSlam match is what it is, because that this uh, was just this match was just a wet fart. I mean, yeah. there's nothing else to it. Um, you know, it, it, there's this is a nothing match. I mean, this is going to be right there with uh, you know Bret Hart versus Masawa, you know, who was Tiger Mask at the time as a as a match between you know two legends. Now Hart wasn't a legend at the time of the match, and Masawa was still Tiger Mask. But I mean, two guys who went on to become legends. Uh, and that's a match that is uh, a fairly mediocre match between two guys that are all-timers. And this is two guys that were already firmly established as all-timers when they got in the ring with each other on SmackDown. It just didn't – it did nothing for me. Uh, just a beyond average uh, going through the motions effort from both guys. But uh, this Cena match was a wet fart. Didn't yeah, like well, it. Here's uh, one thing I want to talk about real quick. And we can make – I mean this is probably a bigger point for for another day. But I, And I bring this up a lot is that I don't know that we necessarily give enough credit to the New Japan roster and how good and deep that entire roster is until we see guys outside of that, guys that we thought yeah. were awesome, guys that were awesome in New Japan that go somewhere else. And then it's just like they just – Minoru Suzuki and Noah is a perfect example. That was a guy who was just every – I mean, those G1s, he would go out there and just kick ass. And it was like, oh, my God, Suzuki's awesome. Oh, my God. And then he'd go to Noah, and they were just okay. And they were fine, and there were some good matches, but most were kind of just there. You know, Nakamura leaves New Japan, and he's just kind of there. But those guys leave, and New Japan just keeps chugging along. And And – it's a testament. I'm not saying that necessarily New Japan makes these guys. It's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we don't give enough credit to how deep and how good that roster is. That a Nakamura can go in there against almost anybody and have a pretty decent match. That a, a Minoru Suzuki can go out there and during G1s and have great matches or whatever. You know, we, we look at a guy like a Nakamura and Kota Ibushi. Well, Ibushi's still there and he's still having great matches. And he's still kicking ass. And he's he's having one of the best, you know, months of it or, you know, few week stretches that anybody I, I, I've seen in years or whatever. So th- those guys, I, I we just I don't know that we necessarily give enough credit to how important it is to have that talented of a roster and maybe how that helps a, a wrestler as well that knows, hey, look, I can't take the day in this night off because these guys every single night we go out here and we try to top the next guy. And we try to be best better than the other guys. We try to prove the best or whatever, whereas you get to another company and that's maybe not what the goal always is or, or maybe that's not the focus or the central focus of, of, of everybody in that locker room or whatever. And, and you see the results a lot of times. And when these guys leave New Japan, a lot of times it just doesn't really feel the same. And that's not us just being you know New Japan marks or whatever. Like I think you could ask most people if they think that Nakamura is better in WWE than he was in New Japan. I don't think anybody would tell you that's the case. But that's the question. To me, it's clearly an effort thing. I don't think he's incapable of having great matches because he had a great match against Sami Zayn in an environment where he's positioned to have a great I mean, you know, you can't sure. be in an NXT takeover main event, particularly at WrestleMania weekend, and put in a half effort. And he was smart enough to know that. And it was his debut. And he went out there and had a great match. So I think he's capable of it. I liked the Samoa Joe matches better than almost anybody else did. I thought those were very good matches. They weren't great. Uh, they were all three and three quarters to four and a quarter in my mind. A lot of people had them lower than that, but I thought those were good matches. I thought the Bobby Roode match was okay. I thought that was a pretty good match. Uh, but the main roster, I mean, really, this guy, and, and to me, it's an effort thing. I really don't think it's just been an effort thing on the main roster for him. 
I mean, the, and you you nailed it. This was an opportunity against John Cena where they really could have gone out there and and really done something special. And shame on both of them for not doing so. Yeah, twelve minutes too is like that. That's a match that needs to go twenty five. You, you know what? Like, I don't. You know what? I don't care. This is Shinsuke Nakamura and John Cena. They had to have a great twelve minute match if they want to have one. Yeah. I guess. I'm not. I'm not cutting them a break for that. These guys know how many great 12 minute matches did uh, Nakamura pull off in, in in a G1 or something. Sure. Uh, over the years, you know, um, Cena is. You know, look, these are two guys who are who are who can be among the best in the world when they want to be and have been. They could have a great 12 minute match if they want to. They went yeah. out there and worked a fucking rear chin lock. Yeah, well, like you're saying, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the point. Closing. If it was 25 minutes, it would have been, you know, 10 more minutes of rear chin locks as opposed to, I mean, because it's a 12 minute match and they still had to use, you know, rear chin locks for six of those. To, Look, this know. match had no story until he kicked out of that AA. This was a chin lock, a commercial, and a closing stretch, and it was lazy. And that's, you know, I'll be honest. That's what I've seen a lot of, even in the NXT Samoa Joes. And that's my big gripe around those. It was like, what is the point of this match? Like nothing is happening. It's just Nakamura getting worked over, Nakamura hitting a Kinshasa. And then, you know, now see, now see the, I'll disagree slightly. The Joe matches had story, but the, the like you said, it was Nakamura getting worked over for the majority. Right. And that, that, to me that I, I guess that's a story, but when you see it so many times, it, it's kind of, well, here's what it is. Rich. It. it was a story that you didn't connect with and you didn't like, right. And, yeah. and this is an argument I make with people all the time. They'll say, you know, I always say this, just because wrestlers tell a story in the ring doesn't mean I have to like the story they're telling. You know, it, you can work over somebody's arm for 25 minutes and it could all make sense and be logical and have great psychology. But if I think it's boring, then it fucking sucks. I don't care if your story was sound, if you're not entertaining me. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, I'd rather see the eight minute spot fest that entertains me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. So, so. I felt those Nakamura Joe matches all told great stories. They just connected with me more than they connected with you. Those stories is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like this match with Cena, there was no story whatsoever. And it was dry as a bone and not entertaining. There was nothing to this match that was entertaining until Cena got dropped on his head. You know what I mean? It's like that was the only moment of that match where you went, holy shit. Because like I said, even the AA kickout to me wasn't this seminal moment that it well, what, should have no, what built that even what built that moment up other than i mean they were exchanging holds exchanging holds exchanging strikes aa and it's like okay okay <laughs> like are great like yeah it didn't it, nothing really came before that aa that made it like oh my god this is it now it's over or and nothing after that well, either. It, was, thing, it just Rich, happened it existed I didn't, yeah that's all i didn't buy it as the finish so it couldn't have been a great you know what i mean it's like they didn't build well, the crowd to that i didn't give a shit not five people maybe clapped when when Nakamura kicked out because I don't think they built to it well enough to no, to to do a it wasn't a good false finish and I and and it's harder in that company because all of the big stars kick out of the finishes so I get it but again that's not an excuse because we've seen great false finishes in that company they they look they did a poor job and I think that's why that that spot fell a little flat because nobody bought it I know I didn't buy it sitting on my couch. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know, poor job by both guys, shame on both of them. And I'll tell you, Rich, I, you know, I, I was going through my notes and Alan Cunahan made a tweet last week that, uh, you know, this has been a poor in-ring year for WWE proper, not NXT, not WWE UK, uh, just WWE proper with all the hours of television they have, the pay-per-views that they have every month between two brands, uh, you know, all of the, you know, so think of all the televised matches that they've produced 
And uh, Allen's list, I think, had something like 10 or 11 matches, four stars or better, for the entire year in this company. <laughs> but company and, that produces what, how many hours of weekly television? Right. And, and, and only one match that was, that, that was match of the year caliber, and that was the, um, uh, I think we would all agree, the, uh, the uh, Royal Rumble match, um, uh, Cena and Styles from the Rumble, which was yeah, okay, incredible yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the rest of it was just like barely four stars. You know what I mean? Four in the dot, four and a quarter. Yeah, so like a, a DIY Authors of Pain, the ladder, uh, that was a pretty fun one, but not like... Well, again, that listen, that's NXT. Yeah, oh, I see what you're I'm talking WWE proper. WWE you're proper. saying just WWE proper, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and this, and, and Allen's uh, tweet was on, I'm paraphrasing him, was that this might be the worst in-ring year for WWE in a long, long time. Yeah, you'd and, have to really go back. <laughs> well, I went through my notes as well, and, 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 you know, I replied to his tweet, and I think, you know, Allen is the most generous star raider there is. And and uh, and I'm not knocking him for that. He's just a guy who loves his wrestling, and we all know that Allen, you know, uh, you know, is generally going to skew high uh, when there's a great match. And and I thought that my and my reply to that was, I think he's being generous. I have less matches, and I went through my notes and I confirmed it. Rich, I only have nine WWE matches, proper WWE matches, four stars or better this year, and we're we're in August. And one of those matches was a 205 live match. So it's debatable whether you want to count that as WWE proper. I, that's up to you. So I'll count it, though. That's nine matches for the entire fucking year. Rich, I have more Wrestle Circus matches rated four stars <laughs> or higher than WWE. And it, look, this has been a very poor year. And, and you know, it, it's matches like this that, uh, you know, just, just hammer that home. What the hell is going on in this company? Look at WrestleMania. I mean, if when you can argue that that AJ Styles Shane McMahon match was you know the best match on the show, because it was either that or the or the short Brock Lesnar Goldberg match, those are the only two contenders. Yeah, it's it's. I'm going through my little notes here as well. I mean, I have <laughs> my my best two matches of their entire year uh, in WWE proper are both from the Royal Rumble, and it was Styles and Cena, and then Owens and Reigns, which I like really love both of those. Um, yeah, I went four yeah, and a half on that. A lot of it's yeah. rest of this is NXT, 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 it NXT. Royal NXT. Rumble. It really did. Fuck, is there anything else that How I have? How many raw matches do you have on there? Oh fuck. I I mean, well, <laughs> my raw I, watching has, has been reduced greatly. I have Charlotte and Bailey. And I think yeah. that's you know, and it's like um, you know, you're right. They're two God, best damn. matches. You are you are you're right. Their two best matches of the year were both at the Royal. Fuck, I I got nothing else. The rest of it is yeah, I got Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate, um, I got the the uh, ladder uh, between the, the the yeah the the DIY Occam Razor that's NXT again yeah main roster I got that's that's it I guess and Jesus I think third I that's Styles and Shane McMahon I guess like that but now I've stopped even rating these ones because these are like too far gone for me to even care to rate Rich they've got one match of your caliber match yeah right that, so I, I basically I would because I only really do four and a half is like what I kind of circle sure. or put a little star next to or whatever so I got Styles Cena is about it. That's uh, the Owens Reigns cons- I liked, but Style Cena is the only one that I would really put a star on and say this is one to go back and rewatch, or this is one to consider for my list. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's tough <laughs> considering we're in uh, the mid August or we're in early August right now. And- early August is the biggest company in the world with probably the deepest roster in the world, and this is why I keep saying that you can make a solid argument. Yeah, this is- that, now that you can make a solid argument that pound for pound, match for match, Pete Dunne has been the best wrestler in the company. Because almost every single match he has, he delivers. Because those matches with Bate and those matches in the UK tournament, I mean, you know, if you average him out, you know, yeah. now granted, he's not wrestling on Raw every week. He's not wrestling on SmackDown every week. He doesn't have an opportunity to have these, these poor matches. But even if you just look at matches in what we like to call the big spot, 
pay-per-view matches, main events on TV. Yeah, that's what I always care about. And that's always been my argument is right. I don't really give a shit how the guy's doing a six-man. I, I mean, yeah, for me, I'm it's not like, going to knock you... a guy in the first no, hour of Raw when he's yeah. given six minutes. But, you know, but this, this Cena-Nakamura match, which was a big spot, and I, you can knock them for having a poor match here. Absolutely, you can knock them. And, you know, I, I really believe you look at this company because, you know, a, you know AJ Styles has not had, a, a, you know, he's been okay. I'm not going to sit here and knock Styles. But I think the two best wrestlers in this company have been Pete Dunne and Neville for this year. Those are the two guys, I think. I mean, make an argument for someone over it. You, yeah, I mean, a, Styles was the only. <laughs> I would, you, I would love to make an argument for Styles, but he kind of because Styles and Owens both peaked in January, and I don't know that they've gotten better since then, or or had anything since then. This is actually an interesting exercise. I, I want you to guess now. Now, Dave, uh, Biggie, Dave Meltzer, you know, big uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter, of course, editor uh, Dave Meltzer, his, his star ratings. How many WWE proper matches do you think he has? Four and a half or better this year. This year, two. The two that we talked about. Okay, so he's got AJ Styles and John Cena. That's at, at four and three quarter. That's a lot. Uh, he's yeah. got the Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns. He's got that at four and a half. Right. Those are the two uh, that I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, there are a few more is here. So he's got the Elimination Chamber, uh, Styles, Corbin, Wyatt, Ambrose, Cena, and Miz, which. That I is. Uh, I've I think got I thought that was bad. Yeah. I've, no, I've got that at four and a half. I, I enjoyed it. Oh, was that? Okay. All right. I don't remember I that one necessarily. You um, probably didn't like, you don't like anything. But you no, I don't like anything. Um, <laughs> and then that's one of my more. Oh no, two more, two more here. So we got the uh, the fatal five way extreme rules: Wyatt, Balor, Reigns, Joe, Rollins. I did. I think I like that one. I'm pretty what sure I did enjoy that? that one. That was June. That was June fourth. All right, hold on. Let me see what I what oh, I had. Thumb through. No, I there. didn't. I didn't even have that at four. So okay. And then the uh, last one he has is the Money in the Bank: uh, the Styles, Corbin, Ziggler, Owens, Zayn, Nakamura. And that What's was the also date on June. That? that was June eighteenth. No, I did not have that on my list either. So. Okay, so but, but listen, <laughs> yeah. that's Dave with a ladder match. So I mean, come on. Exactly. That's well, but I mean, I think that in general is all is is pretty low for for Dave. Oh yeah, because I mean, we're, we're talking. Yeah, and he loves like big time yeah. WWE main events or whatever. Like those kind of get him going, especially WWE if it, main events are almost the baseline is almost four stars for him. Sure. And it just goes from there. I mean, he very rarely will bury one unless it's super gimmicky or something. Um. You know, how many times over the years have we seen him give some mundane Randy Orton main event four and a quarter? And you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, um, but but yeah, so only five matches for David, four and a half or higher, which is not a good number. Nine matches overall for me, four or better. And I think Allen had 10 or 11. And you went through your list and you might have less than, than both of us uh, at four or better. So uh, yeah, not... It's just not been a good year for WWE at all. I'll talk about another uh, match. We'll, we'll go to the NXT realm uh, now, and this is a match that you and I both watched prior to. Um... I was hyped up for this, baby. I was... <laughs> yeah, you told me like I was like, "Hey, what do you want to talk about tonight?" And you were like, "Well, you better watch this match. You better get going." It's, it's Alistair Black and Kyle O'Reilly, and you were like, "Well, we got to talk about Nakamura and Cena. And we got to talk about this match." And I was like, "All right." Like I assumed you had already watched these. I assumed you you were like, "Hey." I love both these matches, and I was like, all right, cool, I'll, I'll watch them both. And, and yeah, I watched the Cena uh, uh, Nakamura, and I'm like, okay, that was all right, I guess. It was fine. And I was like, well, I, there's no way he would have told me to watch this match and it not be great. So I was like, all right, Alistair Black, Kyle O'Reilly, I love both guys. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly coming in NXT, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kyle O'Reilly. Like, I'm probably one of the bigger Kyle O'Reilly fans ever there. I mean, you look at, at, at uh, I've voted him match of the year quite a few times uh, in terms of stuff that he's done. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of my all-time favorites. And this was... Joe was a match, and then it was over. And then, yeah, that's 
again, wet fart is probably the best way to describe it. It was just I was so disappointed in this match. What was this? It was just kick, kick, this, kick, kick over. Okay. This <laughs> like, was like a two and a half star match. It was just not good. Um the Bobby Fish Alistair Black match a few weeks earlier blew mm-hmm. this out of the water. And you I told mean, me, you told me to watch that because I, I, I kind of texted you and I was like, that match wasn't very good. Like, did you like it? Because I didn't not like it at all. And you were in the process of watching it. And I was like, oh, I, I you know, I had assumed you were it or watched it or whatever. And you're like, well, I'm watching it now. And I was like, okay, it's, it's just kind of there. And then uh, as you said that, you told me to watch the, the, the Alistair Black Bobby Fish. And that was everything that I wanted this Kyle O'Reilly match to be, where it was if Fish you know, coming out like a ball of fire, knowing, Hey, look, I don't have a lot of time with this guy. This guy's probably going to kick me and, and knock me out or whatever. So I got to give him everything I have right away. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, fish in, in, I think it was around eight minutes or so, uh, held his own, but Alistair Black was just a little bit better on this night and, and, and fish just got caught. And that's, that's kind of how I thought this O'Reilly match was going to kind of go. Uh, but it was a lot of back and forth, this O'Reilly match, but it was back and forth with, with no, uh, sometimes back and forth can be to its detriment. Like I wanted one guy to just have an advantage at one point. I wanted one guy sort of control the match. And it was just like, O'Reilly does his move. Black does his move. O'Reilly does his move. Black does his move. Kick, kick, punch, punch, kick, kick, punch, punch, hold, 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 hold over. And I was just like, all right, like, it, I, I don't know. It's just, it, there was no even flow to it. There was no flow. There was nothing. Here's what you're trying to say, Rich. Here's what you're trying to say. It was fucking boring is what you're trying to say. I did make a coffee halfway through because <laughs> I was like, oh, I had to do this podcast. You texted me at exactly the right time because I, I was dozing off and I got your message. And thank God you texted me because the show would not have been recorded had you not. It's a boring match. And I'll tell you, um, NXT TV has been very good since TakeOver Chicago. Uh, the Black Bobby Fish match. Excellent match. Last Woman Standing match, Nikki Cross and Asuka, um, excellent match. Uh, Cassius Ono, Alistair Black had a good main event um, sometime in, in June, I believe that was. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was it was June 8th or somewhere around that range, yeah. I thought the Roderick Strong-Bobby Roode match was a, was a really good match, even though it had like the dusty finish. Drew McIntyre, Killian Dane, you need to watch that match. Excellent match, Drew McIntyre. Okay. I'll go back, yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm still kind of catching up on some NXT, so I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. I'll, Make time to do it, that. It's, the, the main events for NXT since Chicago have all been, uh, you know, very good or better, with the exception of the Authors of Pain Heavy Machinery match, which was. <laughs> I mean, you take away. There was a good hot tag in that match. Uh, who's the shorter, fatter? Oh God, I can't. I don't know what they're weirder Heavy Machinery guy. Um, the one that's really creepy. Um, I mean, first of all, that act is going nowhere. That is such a, a shitty '90s act. That heavy machinery, you know. It's, but unfortunately, I, I don't know what else you do with those two guys. Um, I don't know, know which one's Otis and which one's Tucker, right? Otis, 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 and Otis, Tucker is. Otis is, is the, Otis the, the weird one. Okay, Otis is the weird one. Uh, that guy's a fucking weirdo. He creeps me out. Um, Otis had a good hot tag in that match. He did this great, you know, over the top belly to belly overhead suplex to one of the. I can't tell the others are paying apart. Um, so don't ask me which one it was, but, uh, other than that, let's just say it was Occam. Well, yeah, let's say, uh, yeah, okay. That's fine. Other than that 15 <laughs> seconds, that was a match that had 15 good seconds and the rest of it was just trash. You can skip that week, but all of the other main events on NXT have been excellent. And then, uh, I'm all hyped up for this. I rush home to watch it before we record the show. And I couldn't believe how dry this match was with black and O'Reilly, uh, that, you know, it's uh, it was really disappointing, um, very disappointing match, and 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 I just came away from it thinking, man, Bobby Fish just totally did 
so much better against Black than O'Reilly did. And I don't have a problem with Black beating both of those guys. I, I've seen a little bit of that, you know, but here's the thing. Oh, no. Come on. When guys yeah, come that's... in from other companies. This is Wrestling 101. He should beat both of those guys. And that's how they've been doing it in NXT. I mean, you've obviously not been watching. I mean, that that's how they've sort of debuted a lot of guys. They'll debut the guy, and, and, and he loses to the more established uh, wrestler. I mean, unless you're doing a – unless it's a guy that you bring in, and it, it's obvious that that guy – wrestler X or whatever is going to be a big time main event. And then you have him go on a big win streak or whatever. But if O'Reilly and Fisher is just there to kind of be guys and, and, and for right now, I guess they kind of are. I mean, there's not really slots and I don't think O'Reilly's ready to be like the guy on NXT or whatever. If that's what you're going to do, I mean, this is absolutely the best thing to do is, is have them. Uh, and especially with, if they're going to Alistair Black, I mean, that, that guy is the guy you're trying to build up and trying to get him ready for that next big man event spot. So they think Black's a mega star. Exactly. And, yeah. And, 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 they, and he, projects right. he projects it too. So I, I have no issue yeah. with that. Well, you watch this match with Kyle, and, and, and again, I'm the biggest Kyle O'Reilly fan in the world, but he does not project star in, in that match. I mean, you, you, if you had no idea who Kyle O'Reilly was, if it's Vince McMahon walks into the room and, and he's watching this main event, he is going to come away <laughs> not impressed at all with Kyle O'Reilly. And that's not good. You want that first uh, you know, impression, that first touch to a lot of those fans to be something special. And that was everything but it. And, and it sucks because Kyle O'Reilly is so good, and I've seen him. Had just incredible matches and all over the place. So yeah, I don't know what happened here. It was just a weird and, and I feel you like I see you, these guys. I'm looking it up to see if I've actually seen these guys wrestle before. I feel like I did see one of them, but maybe they never. Okay, they never did. Okay, it wasn't. I was wondering if in AEW or something they crossed paths. This is um, only the second time they've ever been in the ring together. These two. So you made a good point um, that I hadn't even thought of because I was so disappointed in the match that I didn't even think of it. But you're right. Kyle O'Reilly did not come off like a star at all. Um, he came off like I a- think. I, you, if you didn't know who he was, if it was just Alistair Black versus a guy you know, from the PC. yeah, say a you guy from the performance, yeah, he didn't he kind of come across as like the generic tights guy, the you know, he's got kind of the punchy like, hey, this is my you know, and like this is guy, I know Kyle O'Reilly, I know the background or whatever, but if you didn't, and they didn't really yeah. do a whole lot on commentary, then that's not their fault necessarily. Well, I see, I disagree there. I think they put him over very strong. They called him a former world champion. Um, they, which I was surprised they did the same, you know, they called Bobby fish, a former world champion a few weeks ago. And I was like, what are they talking about? I think they were, I think Percy was counting the ROH world television title. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. He's not, he's he, not absolutely wrong, but... right. See, but I didn't, O'Reilly... I didn't get the same. I, I didn't get that. I mean, they were listing off credentials for O'Reilly, but I never got the idea that they, and, and I guess this is kind of what we have to, the, the new reality or whatever with him is I never got the idea that they were projecting him as, as being, a big deal necessarily. I thought they were kind of saying, Hey, this is things he's done or whatever, but I don't know. I didn't get that same vibe that it was like this big, this guy's coming in. I mean, he comes out and they go, Oh wow. Cool. Kyle O'Reilly. Oh man, I can't believe it. And then little by little as the match is going on, he just turns into a guy as, as the match goes on and on and on. And I, I don't know. I like, I didn't get the projection from the commentary, his ring attire, his entrance music, his, his video. I didn't get anything. That said, this I think that's more on O'Reilly because I, you know, Morrow ran off his former titles. Nigel was talking about him, you know, uh, going toe to toe with Kazushi uh, Sakuraba in Japan on the mm-hmm. mat, and how you know Black wouldn't be able to have an edge on the mat. And I, I think they did their best to put him over, but I think you're right; he just didn't come off like a star at all. I, this is going to be weird, but I, I thought the 40 year old Bobby Fish came off as more of a star in his match against Black than O'Reilly did in his, and I don't think that's how it, it, this is planned. We've, uh, we've had that. No, and we've had that conversation though. I don't know if you remember a few months ago, we were going over some of these guys and talking about their their projectables in WWE or whatever. And I think you and I both agree that Bobby Fish 
had a higher projectable than, than a Kyle O'Reilly would. And, and that's, again, not a slight on, on the talent or whatever, but you, you look at Fish is a guy that can kind of get it done in, in, in terms of a lot of different ways or whatever, and O'Reilly had the potential to just kind of be a guy there. And, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Of course, it's only one match that we kind of say, but yeah, he has the potential just to kind of slide into a spot where he's just kind of depth on that roster. Where I agree. Can- I think, look, I think after one match each, Fish's charisma looked way more projectable than O'Reilly's did in a yeah. WWE ring. It did. Um, uh, which is, I don't know if I would have expected that or not. I don't know. Um, but, um, uh, and these full sale crowds have been awful. I mean, I think we both, okay. I was, I, I was going to say, cause it, 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 have, have they been bad for a few weeks? They now, or is this, yeah, okay. All right. You know, when I jumped, cause remember in the spring, I, I wasn't watching any wrestling and then I did my NXT rewatch and I had noted on Twitter that the, um, Full sale crowd. I forget what match I was talking about, but they really hurt a match that I thought was a well-worked match, but it just didn't get any reaction. And people were telling me, yeah, this is how full sale's been. And then when I went through the whole run, they're absolutely right. The full sale crowds have been dead. So those hot full sale crowds. Now, you know what? I'm going to go back and make a point because remember when everyone was burying the full sale crowds for their chance and being a bunch of smarks? And I kept saying, (laughs) against all reason, I would rather have that than some dead-ass crowd that doesn't react to anything. I will take a smarky crowd with their chance. And now we're seeing the reverse of that. We're seeing these dead full-sale crowds that don't react to anything. And please bring me back the chance. Please bring me back the smarky full-sale crowds because they're a thousand times better than what we're getting now. You guys asked for it, and now you got it. I always defended those full-sale crowds. Always defended them. I will take a lively crowd even with some eye rolly chants now and then over what we're getting now. This is why I defend the day after mania crowds. And this is why I always would defend the full sale crowds. I will always take the crowd that's having fun. They, you know, in, in their own way, you, you, you go to a wrestling show, you, you're right to have fun. Okay. And over these crowds that are just sitting on their hands and killing these matches. Yeah, and they're not reacting to even the guys coming out or the debuts or anything. Like that. They're they're maybe for a second reacting. O'Reilly to got out. nothing. O'Reilly got absolutely nothing. I was I was stunned by that. I thought they turned the mic down or something because I I or I hit mute or something. He got like seven people did it, and they cut to two people in the crowd that were like, "Oh yeah, oh my god, he's here!" And then that that was it. And it was like, oh, "Okay, that was." I mean, this is a crowd that used to just go nuts for anybody, any fucking guy. Yeah, there would have been a, there would have been a Kyle O'Reilly chant. There would have been. Uh, you know, well, there was that one O'Reilly chant that was like again, like nine people were like, oh, Kyle, yeah, was like O'Reilly, O'Reilly. It's yeah. like, okay, you know, at this you point, know, don't even bother because this is. Uh, listen, I'm begging for a this is awesome chant before they even lock up. That people used to, I, I'm begging for anything from these crowds now. What really grabbed me was that Gargano Raul Mendoza match, which was fucking great. That I didn't watch so, it yet, but oh, I'm go back, and, go back and watch the match. Those guys are going to watch it. Are fucking killing it for four minutes, and the crowd. Do, there is a time where I swear to God, the crowd is not making a peep. There's not one noise, one cough, one audible conversation, one person Gargano. dropping something on the ground and picking it up. Not one person adjusting in a seat. Like there is dead silence for like a minute in that. Match. Well, you know what? I, you know, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear a peep. If you were one of these people that complained about the full sale crowds and their chants and they were they were smarks and they're trying to get themselves over, I don't want to hear a peep out of you that the full sale crowds are dead now. Because this is one of those situations where you, you got what you asked for, okay? I, you know, it, it, I'll take the lively crowd. I, I you know, I, it, 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 you know, this is, should be a lesson for everybody, okay? You prefer the lively crowd. 
over this yeah, shit. Good, good crowd, better than bad crowd, believe it or not. Yeah, shocking <laughs> revelation. Yeah, I know here. it's a shocking revelation, but yeah, I mean, crowd come that on. makes noise better than crowd that does not make noise. So yeah, uh, I mean, give me something. You know, I want a crowd <laughs> having fun. But yeah, I'm definitely gonna go back and watch it. You know, I'm a big Raul Mendoza fan. I was yeah, a no, you'll love him for a long no, time. I, th- I thought you'd saw this one. Go, go watch that match. You're gonna. Oh, I'm gonna back. watch it. I just, I wanted. We it, had to get that other match in, in four minutes. It blows Black and O'Reilly out of the water. Blows absolutely blows it out of the water. You'll, you'll With see those two guys. I believe you. Yeah, and I'm glad that they're giving Mendoza a shot because he went away a little while after the cruise. I thought he looked good in the Cruiserweight Classic. Then he went away for a while, and I really thought that this was a guy who deserved a shot. And they did bring him back, and it looks like he's in the mix now. And uh, look, I don't think he's like a future star or anything like that, but he's definitely a guy who could be a workhorse. He could be, he could go right on 205 Live tomorrow and be better than half the guys on that show uh, right now. And, uh, you know, and, and, and go out there and ha- like, I'd rather see him on that show than Aria Davari or Lince Dorado or, uh, you know, um, some of the other guys that are on that show. Um, it, 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 so I'm glad that he's getting a shot and I'm looking forward to watching that Gargano match. Yeah. So, but yeah, this, uh, this O'Reilly black match so disappointing. Oh man, two very disappointing, hyped up matches between that should have been great matches, and both of them were just complete letdowns on WWE TV this week. While we're talking about NXT, before we move on to some other topics here, and we're going to do a bigger you know preview or whatever of, of Takeover and SummerSlam in a few weeks as, as the cards kind of uh, come you know come together a little bit more. But uh, there was a note in this week's Observer that I thought was pretty interesting about Takeover as uh, Brooklyn Three. Uh, this year's one is that uh, ticket sales are pretty light. People are there's not a lot of tickets being sold yet. I mean, they, there's been kind of a base amount of people that have bought tickets, but there's a ton still left of the box office. Is still a ton still floating out there. Uh, and Dave brought up a few interesting points that I, I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, if, or something that's maybe if you're worried, or if you think this is something that WWE should worry about, or NXT should worry about, or whatever is, and, and it's definitely a, a really big turnaround from where they were a few years ago. Uh, even take over Brooklyn one, you can go back to that one. Is that the scalper secondary market for NXT is dead. Absolutely dead. Because what happened was is that first one, that TakeOver Brooklyn, I remember it happened in Chicago. I remember it happened at these NXT TakeOver Live events or whatever, is that scalpers would scoop up everything right away and put it on for like exorbitant prices and, and people would pay that. And what Dave is mentioning is that last year, a lot of scalpers assumed, okay, hey, TakeOver's come back or NXT's come back to Brooklyn. Let's buy a bunch of these scalp tickets. And they all lost their ass. Nobody wanted them. Everybody waited till the price went down, bought it the day of, went to the box office, did that or whatever. And this year, the ticket sales are light because the scalpers are just saying, forget it. I'm not even going to bother with these because I'm not getting a good return on my investment for these. I'm not getting any return on this investment. So you might as well just go to the box office and get $25 tickets. And 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 that's what Dave is kind of theorizing is that people are just going to kind of walk up and get their tickets. And, and this mad dash and mad, oh, my God, what's the pre-sale code? And, oh, I need to get on here right away. Oh, I, you know, I'll pay $300 to, to go or whatever. That's dead. That's gone for TakeOver or, and for NXT Live in general. Uh, is that something that worries you or is that something that was just going to happen eventually in your mind? Do you think there's a fair argument to be made that the NXT brand peaked with the Nakamura Zayn match? I'm trying to think of what happened after that one. Well, that, Nakamura, Samoa Joe, yeah, Bobby Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never really got back after. Yeah, that was kind of the big moment. You could yeah, argue for me, that's the peak I mean, my the personal peak, absolutely. That was absolutely my personal peak because I have not really been as into the main event picture since that point. So, no, I, I yeah. Because look at everything that came before that. The Kevin Steen run, hot run. The Finn Balor run, hot run. Sami Zayn's time, hot run. Nakamura shows up. Uh, challenges Zane. Everyone's hyped up for that. Um, packed building in Dallas. Match of the year contender. 
And then since then, everything has kind of been on this. No, look, I'm not saying it's a dead brand, but I would argue that that match was the peak, was where the brand peaked. And it's been all downhill since. Not super, not like a a, a straight decline, but slowly trickling downhill since in terms of ticket sales. Um, clearly, Bobby Roode is not setting people's lives on fire when it comes to buying tickets a, for any of his Shock of all shocks, but I know, I know, I, I know you're you're probably stunned to hear that. But um, and look, they're convinced that this guy is a main roster star, and again, it's amazing. Nobody is luckier than this man. I mean, he is he's he's a fucking theme song. I know it's cliche to yeah. say it now. I'll, I'll give this because I, I don't like Bobby. Go on, go on with your point. Then I'll kind of I'll defend but that's Bobby my Roode point. for a little bit. Yeah. It's it's Bobby Roode is clearly not any kind of hot box office draw, even even though he inherited a hot brand. Um, you know, but we saw signs of this even during Nakamura's run. Nakamura had takeovers where ticket where ticket sales were uh, struggled a bit. So I really think that the Nakamura Zayn match was the peak of the brand. What I was going to bring up about Bobby Roode before I, is his character for what he's trying to do, what he's trying to project. What he's, trying, he's very good at it. The oh, character yeah. works. The problem is I don't want to see 1970s heel wrestling champion. Right. Like in 2017, I don't want 1978 NWA heel champion guy. Right. It's good. He does it. Per- he does it well. He wrestles it great. He wrestles like a a perfect 1978 heel. Oh, he'll give you a champion. Like he nails the character. Absolutely He's got it. And he works to the character. He He's wearing the suit. He looks yep. great. He and he style like world title matches. Absolutely. Right. I don't want to fucking see it, but he nails it. So if he's going, if it's what he's going for, he's nailing it. I just don't want to fucking see it. So again, to kind of to your point that you were talking about again, like you can nail a story, but I don't want to fucking see it, and I don't, I don't like it. And that, that's, the story you don't like, what's the point? Yeah. So, so no, that, that it, it's it's certainly. I, my question to you though, would, it, do you think the if they made the takeovers a little bit more special and only had them once or twice a year again, or or or, or really? didn't go as live, you know, touring across the country as much as they, do you think that would bring the specialness back? Or do you think it is just something where, or bring the ticket sales back and, and, and boost stuff up? Or is it just simply that the brand is, is cold right now? And that regardless of how many shows they have and how many takeovers they have and, and whatever, that it wouldn't matter in the end. It's tough to say. Do you think um, the decline of the full sale crowds has anything to do with the fact that they don't get the takeovers anymore? Yeah, they, they could. They, I, I, they in general feel like they, and I don't know. I don't know the makeup of the crowd. I don't know if it's all the same people or whatever. But they, they project that they don't feel important. They used to feel like they were important, and I think they thought they were important too, to that brand. That was their brand. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was their thing. Like that's what you want. Arena. You want fans invested in the brand. You want ECW Arena, where it's like this is ours. Like, yeah, you go to other places, you do other things. You well, and that happened with ECW too. And by 1999, the ECW Arena didn't feel special anymore because they were right. all over the place. They were touring across the country and doing all this. But yeah, that 94, 95, really 95 is when the ECW Arena finally felt like, hey, look, this is our thing, and this is the home. This is the mecca right here. And they that that remained until like about 1998. I would say late 1998. And I, by 99, then they kind of lost that or whatever. But yeah, NXT, they felt the full sale crowd felt like that. They they were invested of like this is ours. We are the reason this had and again, people get all mad about oh, if they, they were so self-important. They thought, I'll take the self-important fans because self-important fans are gonna make things feel important. That's right. And they're gonna make those shows feel like they're important. And now they don't do that anymore. And then they go on the road and, and the road shows still do well and the crowds are still hot, but there just seems to be, yeah, a, a real lack. But no, that's a, that's a really good point that that full sale crowd 
maybe feels less important to the entire scope of NXT, and then and thus has projected that to the to their the reactions as well, where they just feel like they're just kind of there because they're great for long tapings, but then when they when they really need to get down to it, they leave and they bounce and they go somewhere else. You know, Paul Paul Heyman played the Philly crowds against the Elks Lodge crowds in New York. Two crowds would try to outdo each other, you know, and um, and that created a great atmosphere when they when they taped in either one of those buildings. And like you and like you just said, you know, and and it, it's it's people knew they were seeing important things on those shows, you know. Maybe these full sale crowds feel like they're not seeing almost like the biggest matches have been taken away from them. So I don't know if that has something to do with the malaise where maybe they've caught, they've caught on to the idea that they're just seeing the buildup for the big matches, but then they're not getting the big matches. I don't know. Maybe the tapings are just too long. Um, because I do think that they tell good stories on the show. I don't think that that, you know, and I do think there's charismatic people on these shows. Who's more charismatic than Asuka? You know, I mean, you know, Chris Hero and Hideo Itami and, you know, you know, other than, you know, I, I'm not, you know, rude, obviously. I, I don't think he connects once his song is over. But uh, Alistair Black, another one. I mean, a guy definitely comes off like a huge star. He um, is, he's the one guy. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Finish yours and then I'll, I'll kind of jump in. They've lost something with the women, though. You know, when, have, when the, yeah. yeah, I mean, th- that Amber, era. Amber's not connecting. No, Amber Moon is not connecting, and she's going to win, and it's a shame. She shouldn't. Mm-hmm. She should not win. She's not ready. Yeah, it, it, it's not that she's not ready. It's we haven't found the person that's like, yep, okay, Asuka should lose to this person. This is the obvious. So person. a new era can start. And, and, new- and to me, I would. You, you know where I stand on this. I'd wait for Sonya Deville. I would keep building her up. I'd put her on the road with Mickey James or somebody like that on these little shit, and I would get her ready. That she's a star. She's a star waiting to be made. Um, but, but she's not ready in the ring. You know what I mean? There, she's got a long way to go in the ring. Um, but that would be my pick. Um, I don't think Ember Moon's working either, but I think Ember Moon's going to win, but we can talk about that more when we preview the show, but yeah, they've lost something, you know, the, the, the Charlotte Bailey Sasha era, obviously, um, had a lot to do with, um, you know, the the NXT piece, quote unquote peak. But uh, I, I don't think they're really lacking on the male side. It's just the champion's a dud. Um, so I, I don't know what it is, but there there is a malaise in those crowds, and um, and and there is a ticket buying malaise too. That is pretty obvious. My my thing that I was going to bring up about uh, Alistair Black is is the one thing that I like about him, and I re- think the one reason why he's projecting as so much bigger of a star, or whatever, and the, the crowd sort of reacting to him too. And I I brought this up when they started bringing in a lot of the Eric Youngs and the Bobby Roods, and and even to an extent the Nakamuras and those sort of guys. Uh, Samoa Joe is another great example too. I always said that that NXT felt better as being young and hungry and not old and comfortable. And Alistair Black, despite his age or whatever, feels fresh, feels like a guy that's on the rise, feels like a guy that like you have to kind of get in on the ground floor of this guy because he's going to be a big deal. Whereas a lot of those guys they brought in for a while there, um, the Samoa Joe, it just felt like he was kind of in a holding pattern until he was ready to go. Nakamura was kind of the same thing, too. You already knew that this guy was great. You saw him probably somewhere else or whatever. You didn't have that same feeling like, OK, get on the ground floor of this guy, watch his rise, 
and, and watch him go or whatever. And you saw that with Alistair Black. He came in as just a guy and he kind of worked his way up a little bit, worked his way up a little bit. There was obviously they thought he was going to be a star and that they, they obviously thought big things for him and gave him a great entrance and, and great look or whatever. But he was a guy who started off just kind of doing stuff on the undercard, working his way up, working his way up, working his way up, where for a while there, they would just bring guys in and it was like, well, you know, this guy, he's good. Okay, now he's a main eventer. And it was like, well, you didn't get that connection. I think Full Sail in particular and NXT in particular always was so much better at seeing a guy through that entire story, seeing a guy through his journey through the, the brand or whatever, watching him start at just a random squash match and work his way up and work his way up and work his way up or whatever. And they kind of lost that for a while. And they just were like, hey, here's a guy that you've heard of. There we go. Buy tickets to these live shows now. And I think that lost a little bit of the direction too. I, I'm always going to go for young and hungry. Uh, you know, guys that are on the rise, guys that are on the move or whatever. I always think that that crowd, uh, in addition to me, are always going to be attracted more to that than guys that are just there. And it seems like they're just cashing out, you're getting a paycheck. Bobby Roode has always been that way for me. Uh, 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 Samoa Joe, even though I, I love Samoa Joe's run in NXT, it never felt like you were getting it on the ground floor of Samoa Joe. I mean, it was just like, yeah, he's here, he's good, whatever. And, and so that's what always kind of has hurt. And I think it's hurt it as well. I think that you go back and look at when NXT w- was at its best, and it was people feeling like they were in on the ground floor of Bailey, of Charlotte, the women. of Sasha, of uh, even a Finn Balor as well, who's, who was yeah. at that point, you know, 36, 37, 38. It's not just n- simply an age thing, but it's a freshness thing. A lot yeah. of people didn't know who he was. And it was like, cool, we're in on the ground floor of this guy. That's pretty cool. Uh, uh, yeah. Sami Zayn. Yeah, we know him as, you know, some people might know him as El Generico. But when he came in in NXT, he had kind of been stripped down and was sort of like, you know, the Sami Zayn, which is a completely different character. Yeah, you're you right. Him it was a wink thing, but it was kind of a new guy. Right. Owen oh, Steen. I mean, Steen had been a big deal in ROH, but he felt very fresh to the NXT crowd. He felt very fresh to WWE or whatever, where he had to kind of work his way up a little bit, too. And so, yeah, it always kind of felt that way with a lot of these guys. And, and, and for, they kind of lost track of that for a while. And Black's a, Black, Black, I think, is a very good direction as well. Because that's a guy now that they're they're building, they're building, they're building, and you know, okay, he has to be the guy to beat Rude. I mean, he has to be right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Unless, see, but that's the thing. I think Rude might lose before then because I think they're in a rush to get Rude to the main roster. I really think they think this guy's a star. Well, I'm sure they do. I'm sure he comes back and they 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 applaud him. I mean, and I've said that again. I don't like it, but it's template stuff. It is absolutely what they want. The low, you know, the, the the low floor. Uh, you know, or a, a medium floor, like he's not going to go out there and just absolutely stink up the joint, and he's not going to go out there and do some crazy risk. And, and so I'm sure they absolutely love this guy because he projects Listen, as what they want. So this guy is he he wrestles like Triple H. Yeah, Scorpio well, H loves him. I've always said he he makes he he's he's the smartest man maybe in that company. Bobby Roode. He looks like Triple H. He acts like Triple H. He wrestles like Triple H. He, he's like look, he's if I'm three Triple H, if Triple H all over again. If so. I'm booking NXT, Alistair Black beats him for the title and he beats him in a, he beats him with a head kick in 30 seconds that and that's and then i send rude to the main roster that's the perfect story to beat this cocky dude who always finds a cheap way to hold on to his title a dusty finish or this or that kicks him in the head beats him in 30 seconds but i don't think black's gonna get be the guy to beat him and he's gonna lose before then but with all of this said with all of this nxt bashing it's the best television show they produce by a mile, and the specials kick ass every single time. So it's still the most enjoyable, what do you want to call it, brand in this company? I mean, you know, it, it's better than Raw, it's better than SmackDown, it blows away 205 Live. I enjoy NXT more than I enjoy anything else this company produces. So, you know, and it's not like there's going to be 4,000 people in the building in Brooklyn. They may not sell it out. But, you know, they'll have 10, 11, 12,000 people there, right? 
Yeah. It's just oh, yeah. Not. I mean, they're not going to bomb. It's not like there's going to be three. And it may eventually, yeah. it may sell out. It may eventually sell, but it's just not as hot as it was. I really do think the peak was Nakamura's. Right. Name. That, that, that the was the gone. And I thought that was an important thing. Like you yeah. had to get that pre-sale code and get on there right away to buy those tickets. Yeah. Like, damn it. You were going to pay $400 cause this Calvers are going to take, and now you can waltz up to, to, you know, Barclays minutes before the show starts and get a $25 ticket. And look, maybe it's, maybe it, there is no, uh, maybe there is no tangible reason why it's not doesn't feel as hot as it was. Maybe it's just like anything else. Something got hot for a little while, and it just the luster wore. It just happens mm-hmm. sometimes. And that's why I asked. I wasn't sure if it was a larger big picture thing, or it just kind of goes through ebbs and flows. I we'll can't see. pinpoint one. I mean, we've explored a few po- potential reasons, but maybe the lack of you know, maybe you know, just I don't know. We we went over them already, but I, maybe it's just one of those things where. Something gets hot, and then it just isn't hot anymore. And there's really no, you know, way to pinpoint it. I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe the rise of NXT coincided with the introduction of the network, and it was exciting to have this show that was network exclusive, and people got into it. And now the network is kind of just this thing. Now it, that's not as hot as it was. We we just saw the recent numbers where they lost more subscribers than they gained, and maybe that has something to do with it too. You know where it's not this special thing that it was once before. Cause the rise of NXT really did coincide with the, with the network. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a, you know, a, a big hook of the network was, you know, and it, you know, when the network go back and watch those early NXTs from the network first rolled out with like some of those lame Corey Graves matches and, you know, Bo Dallas was the champion <laughs> and it wasn't the same NXT that it, that, that it would go on to become. And, and uh, so maybe that is another factor. I don't know, but I still think the brand is the most is very entertaining and it's the best stuff that the company produces. The Atami stuff too, not to add oh, on to this conversation good. as well, but it's finally feeling like, yes, yeah. this is, you know, when, when he was half cutting that promo and that just yanks them. I, I was watching the one episode. I don't know if uh, the most recent one, um, whoever the backstage guy, the lady is, I don't know who the hell she is, but uh, they change them every three weeks. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it's just some robot that comes out and, and says with me at this time is it, but um, I guessed it this time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And then when they walk off, they just stare into the yes, distance. There, uh, he's left. What do I do now? Yeah. The, the, the Stepford interviewers yeah. that they um, so she was talking and 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 she interrupted him and said, "Oh, we have to go." And he just yanks the mic and just starts talking in Japanese. And then he comes out to the crowd and just he he's saying, "You know, respect me, respect me." And then just says, "Ah, they're booing me." And then just starts speaking in Japanese the entire time. Like I don't want him to ever speak English ever. I want him to just go out there and speak Japanese the entire time. Just I'd have, like him to never speak again. Yeah, that'd be, or or if he has to, you know, he grabs it and just talks in Japanese and then throws the mic down. Like people just know. never smile and never speak again. Yeah, I think the smiling days are over, which is good. Smiling, uh, Tommy never felt right, and it, it feels yeah. the scowl feels right. That's that's yes. that is a man who is at home with a scowl. <laughs> and fuck it, man, let him work stiff and kick people's chests in, and and uh, you know that that'll get over. Trust oh me. yeah, and he's working with. I mean, now when you look at the roster, I mean, you look at you can you can position a Tommy against guys like a Chris Hero is going to tell him to lay it in. A Kyle O'Reilly, you think Kyle O'Reilly is going to be like, "Whoa, dude, let, let's, oh, let's right, right, yeah." That guy's going to say, "No, fucking, let's do a shoot. Like, like, why not? Fucking kick me. I don't give a shit." Yeah, so that's McIntyre, yeah, all those guys. Yeah. yeah, all those guys. So he's he's in the right now. It finally feels like this NXT roster around him feels like one that he kind of belongs in a little bit more. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited to see where that uh, where that story goes in the next few months. So. That's a that's WWE land for a little while. Um, quickly though, Joe, before we get to our other topics, I want to let everybody know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Podcast is also sponsored by our good friends at Blue Apron. And Joe, you know Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country and their mission 
to make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody. Uh, the nurse and I have become obsessed with cooking our Blue Apron meals. Uh, we try new recipes, figure out what we like, what we don't like. Uh, we don't like chopping on <laughs> garlics or shallots, but everything else we really enjoy. But no, trying a bunch of new things, uh, trying recipes we never thought we would like. We look at it and we go, I don't know, is that really going to work? And every time we, we end up with it, we, we really enjoy it. And I know you've uh, been a big fan as well. And uh, what's been some recent things that you've liked from uh, Blue Apron? I know there was one meal you made uh, last week that you really enjoyed. You know, Rich, as a uh, hard-working single fella, I don't have always have time to go to the grocery store and uh, and 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 set up and uh, you know plan meals. So uh, you know, hey, you have to throw away half that shit too. I mean, let's think about it from your standpoint. You don't you want like one of these, th- and then you go to the grocery store and you have to get like eight hundred pounds of lettuce, and you don't want all that shit. Like, you're just gonna throw all that away. That's right. But they will deliver me my basil pesto chicken and my saute shrimp and green beans, the exact precise amount of ingredients I need. I cook it. I got nothing left over. Nothing's going in the garbage. It's all going to my belly rich. So it works good. out perfect for me. Miso butter, salmon, lo mein noodles, and meatball pizza. I'm, I'm all into this meatball pizza, by the way. Meatball pizza with fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes. Those are some of the great recipes coming up um, on Blue Apron. Uh, for less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients, as we talked about, to make delicious home-cooked meals. Uh, you can choose from a variety of different recipes each week, or you can let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Uh, good thing is recipes are not repeated within a year, so you will never, ever get bored of them. And you can customize your recipes each week on your preferences if you don't like fish if you like this if you don't want that if you don't want vegetarian you always want meat you can do whatever you want there it's pretty open there uh, also good thing too is there's no weekly commitment so you only get deliveries when you want them uh, i was on vacation so i skipped one i'm doing this i'm you know there's a weekend or there's a week where i'm like ah, you know i, I we're, we're not gonna be home forget it I, you can skip it and it doesn't matter you can pick it right back up whenever you want skip a meal do whatever you want no weekly commitment no set delivery schedule you decide when you want stuff uh, to come to you, each meal, of course, comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients and can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals. That's three meals for free, absolutely free, with free shipping. So you're, you're paying nothing. You're getting you're getting food delivered to your house, three different meals for absolutely nothing. I mean, you're, you're, you're silly if you don't do this. You go to blueapron.com slash VOW. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So do not wait. That's once again boyfriend.com slash V-O-W, three free meals for free with free shipping. You pay nothing, and they deliver delicious food to you. Seems like a pretty good deal to me. All right, let's do some G1. I do some New Japan. Uh, the thing about the G1 is, you know, because there's shows pretty much every night, by the time people listen to this, you know, we can sit here and talk about it becomes kind of outdated talking about standings or right. We did the I, I like how we spent 20 minutes on will Omega and Okada be undefeated, and then literally that morning Omega lost. And I was like, God damn it. Fuck right. Me. So it's like it's almost and plus uh you know the G1 grind. I think we're in different places as far as how as, as far as uh, how caught up that we are individually. Uh, Everybody so, seems to be right now. We talk about that malaise. We always said it comes around like eight or nine or whatever, and it yeah. is it is here because you're on Twitter and like one person's watching eight and you're watching twelve and this guy's on eleven or whatever. Like nobody is watching the first seven nights. Everybody's watching live or that night or that day or whatever. But now it's like everyone's got their own different. You and I are nowhere near each other where we're watching. It's just a complete mess. It's a complete mess. So. Yeah. I mean, Okada's still chugging along. He's 6-0. and um, He's got the three matches left. Of course, the final match against Omega, which uh, it certainly looked like they're setting up a scenario where Omega will be two points behind, and if he beats Okada, obviously he would win the tiebreaker with both of them at 8-1. and one. Do you think that's where they're going in the B block? It sure looks that way to me. Uh, yeah, because I was, I mean, I was always on board with uh, the Minoru Suzuki or some sort of 
someone else in in that G one uh, championship match or winning that that B block, but I don't know. But if Suzuki still has it. I mean, um, the problem <laughs> is yeah, tiebreaker is a little tough for Suzuki right now. Yeah, and and first of all, half the blocks already so, eliminated. Yeah, yeah. Um, Suzuki is four points behind Okada with three matches left. Yeah, and he's still so, got Okada to go, so he can get that tiebreaker. But he doesn't have the tiebreaker over Omega, so that. Right. You're kind of unless Omega goes on just an absolute losing streak, but why would they do that when you have Omega and Okada coming up? Right. They've so, sort of shown their hand here a little bit, I think. Like I don't think there's any case where Omega just goes on an absolute gigantic losing streak and loses to uh, you know Juice Robinson and Sonata, and then like the match against Okada means absolutely nothing. Like I, I can't fathom that that's what they're thinking at this point. Right now, what who are Okada's three matches left as we? Talk about what will soon to be dated information. About exactly, he's got he's got evil. Um, of course, Omega and Minoru Suzuki left to go. Right, and now all of those guys are in the running, so it's conceivable that Okada could lose to Evil or Suzuki, which would put Evil and Suzuki right back in the mix. Evil lost to Omega already, and Suzuki beat Omega. So um, you know, it, it, it's it's a tricky deal. Sonata surprisingly is also in the mix here with the eight points. Uh, he picked up some big wins, including he's got a win a, over Okada too. Yeah, or no, Okada uh, beat him. Okada beat him. No, Okada beats Sonata. Yeah, right, right. So that's the thing. Um, you know, Okada already has the win over Sonata, and then his last three guys are all guys who are in the mix. He's got Evil, Omega, and Suzuki. Right. Mm-hmm. So big matches coming up for Okada. We're really hitting. Uh, you know, they eliminated half the block, and then half the guys that are left are all facing each other. So that's going to be an exciting block down the stretch. Are you surprised at Elgin? only has two wins and is totally out of the mix. Uh, yeah. I, I well, see. Here's the thing. I'm not surprised because we talked about before the G1, how he's got a contract coming up. And I'm, really, I'm, yeah. Go ahead. Go. I, I think why people feel like that's surprising is because he's been so good in the tournament. Right. But that is independent of the booking. You know, I didn't expect him to be booked well in this tournament and he hasn't been booked well in this tournament. But with that said, he's been so fucking good in this tournament that if I'm New Japan, now look, maybe he doesn't want to. I get the impression he wants to stick around because he seems to love it there. I would not only make sure this guy stuck around and try to get him signed again. I'd push him because I think he's earned a push uh, off of his G1. What do you think? No, I, I 100% agree. And that's what I was going to say. I was kind of surprised because he's been so good that they wouldn't just say, okay, here's the contract. Let's sign it. Let's do this. You know, and I know they have this idea, you know, planned out ahead of time. I know they have the G1 planned out ahead of time and all that sort of stuff. But you would think that from what Elgin has done over, over the course of the last, you know, few years, that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't come to this where it's like, all right, well, let's wait and see how the contract goes. Like, it should be a no brainer that this guy is a guy that you sign, you lock up, you do whatever you can to get him. And then not only that, not only do you sign him, you know, Will Ospreay, you know, style where you sign him and then you treat him like shit or whatever, is you sign Michael Elgin and you, you say, okay, you are one of our guys. Like, especially if you want this U.S. expansion thing to go, he is one of my guys that's a pillar there. But w- one thing that's cool about him and, and by extension, kind of Omega as well, is that these guys are way over in Japan too. I mean, the, the Japanese guys love Michael Elgin. They absolutely love him. So it, it's perfect. Like, he's not a guy that you need to say, well, well, you, well, you can use him for the USA shows when he comes in New Japan proper. Like, ah, we get, like, this is a guy that you can use. He can be the IC champion, and it's fine. I mean, he's been the IC champion, and, and there's no, nothing stopping him from well, doing that. That's the thing, death, Rich. So. I, I think this tournament, he's come off as a top guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's a, got higher. Yeah, he's got higher. Height. Not a guy who challenges for the IC title now and then and maybe has a short run with it or a never level guy or, or like a gate. He's been a gatekeeper this year, um, you know, on, on the face side. But I think this tournament, 
he's come across as a legitimate superstar potential top guy. And that's why, and now look, in the interest of full disclosure, we have no idea whether he's been re-signed or not, or whether, you know, we're just assuming based on the booking patterns and company history uh, that maybe they're winding him down in case they feel like they can't keep him. But we don't know that. For all we know, he's under contract for five more years. I have no idea. Um, so I don't want to pretend that I know this man's contract status. I don't. Um, but all I'm saying is I think this is sort of, this has been him going from a, your classic Scott Hall level upper mid card dude to, I think he's coming off now as a potential top line superstar on the back of this tournament with some of the performances he's had. And like you're saying how over he is with the fans now. So I'm not surprised he only has four points. Um, I do think though that I've been, uh, I, I think that this is a guy who who can be a vital piece for them moving forward if he does stick around. Um, one other theme before we talk about the A block I wanted to ask you about. I thought early on in the tournament, they've done a good job establishing secondary finishes. Um, Okada finally won a match with the Red Ink. I think it was, who was it? Yoshihashi? Not Yoshihashi. He's in the other block. Who did Okada beat with the Red Ink? He beat someone with the Red Ink. Was it Yano? Maybe it was, I think it was Yano. He beat Yano with the red ink. Uh, we've seen some other guys win with their secondary finishes um, in the tournament. And we've also seen at, at least three count out, at least as far as I've gone in the tournament. I still, there's still a couple shows I haven't seen. We've seen at least three count out finishes as well. Um, we saw Sonata, which I thought was a brilliant finish, uh, where he beat Yano by count out by tying him up in a knot up on the entrance ramp. And then Yano couldn't get out, at which, you know, I hate that. Milano Collection AT, Daniel Bryan, Sonata, you know, I don't know what the move is called, but where he ties the guy in a ball, I can't yeah, stand right, it. Right, I, think yeah, it I, I hate it. But I think in a Yano match, it works. You know what I mean? It works in that scenario. And I thought that that was a brilliant finish. And then the way Sonata just kind of stepped over him on the way back uh, to the to the locker room, I thought was smart. But there were, you know, and then they had the Fale Tanahashi countout finish, which I thought was uh, good. And the fans always pop for these countout finishes. So, uh, and the other, and the other theme I wanted to talk about, it's very clear now that Tetsuya Naito is a babyface, and Sonata is starting to work like a babyface. Sonata, they're starting to turn baby, and it's interesting because I think Hiromu, I think uh, Takahashi is a babyface now as well, but Evil is still heel, and it's not just Lij that has this dynamic where there's some, and I think Bushi's still a heel. So you have Lij where there's guys who are heels and guys that are faces or at least face-leaning tweeners and heel-leaning tweeners. But you're seeing the same dynamic in Bullet Club, where Kenny Omega is a face-leaning tweener at this point. Uh, the entire elite, really. But yet you have Bad Luck Fale and Tama Tonga, who are very clearly heels. So this is a company where almost everybody is some on some level is some level of a tweener, uh, with the exception of your... You know, even guys like Tanahashi, I mean, they've been where they've worked heel against certain opponents. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know? And Okada working heel against Kojima. How good was that? I don't know if you saw that match yet. Oh, I did. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, those yeah, two guys. I, I would just want. I want. I want Kojima to get another like big time main event like Sumo Hall fucking you know title match against Okada one of these days because I I just want him to have that crowning like maybe it's his last big time match or I just want one more of those where it's just like you see because that dude is going to make matter and those two in particular are just so good when they're against each and other. And sadly, I don't think it's coming. I know. <laughs> you know and Nagata are still sitting there with zero points. Yeah. And they may finish up with zero. Hopefully, they both get a sumo hall win. I think it's more likely for Nagata. 
Uh, we talked about that a little bit last week. But I mean, those are some of the bigger themes that 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 I've been uh, noticing, and I think that um, you know, obviously the Juice Robinson thing—he's looked tremendous. Um, his only win is against Kojima, but it doesn't matter. He's not a guy that needs to win any of these matches to get over. Um, you know, I think uh, everyone in this tournament has done interesting things. I think um, the A block now—it's a cluster. Um, the entire block with the exception of two wrestlers have between six and eight points. As we record this Yoshihashi has four points and we went, you know, before the show, we talked about it. We don't think he's mathematically eliminated. Uh, he will be shortly though. Um, the God is the only guy who's out. So that block is really going to come down to the wire. It's going to have a lot of interesting scenarios going into sumo hall. How many, I think there's one or two shows before they hit sumo hall, right? Or two. Shows. Uh, yeah, two, I believe. Yeah. No, no, no. They all have six matches and there's nine. Ma- there's one more show before sumo. hall. So, cause the last three nights are in sumo hall, but the third night's the final. So there's one oh, more okay. show. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, no, there's one more a block, one more B block. Right. And that, there's one a block show and one B block show in sumo. Right. Oh yeah. You're right. So they'll all have their seventh match and then their eighth and ninth in sumo hall. You're right. Yeah, right. Right. So two shows, then there's two sumo hall shows. And then the third sumo hall show, which is the final a blocks a mess. Um, now if we're going under the premise that let's say they are building up for Omega beating Okada on the final night, finishing tied, winning the tiebreaker, going into the final. Who would be a good final opponent for Omega? Um, I, You know, we all think, do we still think Naito is winning this tournament, first of all? That's question number one for you. Yeah, I, I, I still do, but it, it hasn't been as clean of a, a route as I thought it was going to be for him. And, okay. and so with that said, do you think it's smart of them to burn a Naito-Omega match on a show that's going to sell out regardless. I don't. And that's why from the beginning, I wanted Naito Suzuki or I thought something like that. Cause Naito Omega say that, I mean, that's not something you need to just throw out there for, for no reason. I mean, that is one you can cherish and you can save. So part of me kind of wonders a little bit if that is the direction they're going. I mean, I, I think Naito almost has to win his block. I mean, he, he's still, if you look at it, he's still got Saber and Tanahashi left to go. Uh, so I assume he probably beats both of those guys and that's how he, he, you know, gets to the finals or whatever, but yeah, it's just, it's strange because it, it hasn't been as direct, and and what they're doing in the B block has me a little confused because you know Okada Naito is what I assume the Wrestle Kingdom main event is going to be, but Omega, uh, Okada's right in that mix, and I mean I I don't think they're going to do it, but I think you know if they really wanted to say hey this is our fucking guy they could have him just sweep the whole thing and win. I don't think they're going to do that. I think Omega is going to make it now, you know, given how uh, kind of the chips have fallen, and and yeah, I don't I don't Omega Naito just seems like a waste. I don't know that you necessarily have to do that in in that big of a situation. I thought we saw last year exactly the template of, of how you book a G1. You you throw a Goto match out there because you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be well-regarded. You know people are going to love it, but you don't have to burn a match that people are going to go, oh, man, like I can't believe they gave that away just in a G1 or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, the template was kind of there last year, and I, I, I'm i really kind of <laughs> confused as to what the, the plan is for this year's because you know, it just doesn't seem, I don't know. It's just weird. A few years ago, they did do the Okada Nakamura singles match as a G1 final. Right. Um, you know, so it, it, it wouldn't completely shock me if they did Omega Naito. I'm just saying, with my business cap on, I wouldn't do that. Um, from an entertainment standpoint, sure, that would be tremendous, right? Oh, no, I'm not going to complain at all. I mean, <laughs> sounds good to me. But I, but. You know, but from a business standpoint, I wouldn't do that match as a G1 final. You're going to sell out the building no matter what. You're going to sell out the building before people know what the match is. Why do it there? Um, you know, one thing that 
if you, hey rich do you want me to annoy half of the listeners how about that oh hey, please could you yes that'd be great you know what i'd like to see here i would love okada to sweep the block go into the final and you know how i'm on the face in the final tanahashi we've never seen a tanahashi okada g1 final how awesome would that be but i know a lot of people would fucking hate that <laughs> But I would love that. That overdone match that's always good. Erg. That damn <laughs> overdone match that's five stars every time. Who wants it's to see that? a great story every time, yeah. You know, Erg. last year with the amazing draw that came down to, you know, uh, the two count, the, the the bell rings, Okada kicks out anyway. Oh, it was great, Ridge. It was great stuff, you know? I'd love to see these guys end up facing each other in a final, you know? And, and Tanahashi trying to spoil... Okada clean sweep in the whole G1, but of course Okada would have to win that match. Well, know? and I don't think that's the worst idea ever either. Because for me, and I've, I've sort of, I don't know how other people feel, I don't know how you feel, but I've been personally kind of bored by the guy that wins the G1. Okay, it's definitely his shot or whatever. Maybe he'll put the shot up, but, but everybody knows that it's going to be that guy is going to go into the main event or whatever. I would like it if they kind of throw it on its face and it's like, shit, Okada won. Okay, well, now who does he face at Wrestle Kingdom? And then, then the next few months actually feel a little bit more important. Then Naito really has to prove that that's where he that he needs to do it. I mean, he had this opportunity here. He had the opportunity to win the G1 and he didn't do it. Omega can can get mad at himself and go god damn it that was my chance i could have done it and i i blew it or whatever like these guys then have a little bit more of a juice or whatever tanahashi could could of course you know really parlay that into something i think that adds so much more intrigue to the next few months if okada i mean it's not something you can do every single year is have the champion win right. it and right. sweep it but this i mean if there's an ever been a good opportunity to do this especially with so many guys chomping at the bit and so many different guys that 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 have gotten so close to okada this entire thing and, and are going man like I know I have what I can do. I know I can beat this guy if I get an opportunity at Wrestle Kingdom. I got to get that opportunity. And however they do it, I mean, I think this would be the perfect time to do it if they wanted to do it. I don't know that they do. I don't know what they're going to, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're there if they Here's want the it. When I, proposed, when I proposed the idea of Okada clean sweeping the entire tournament and winning it on Twitter, a lot of people said, well, then, you know, if he doesn't lose any matches, how do you determine contenders and challengers, and how do you determine the challenger for Wrestle Kingdom? I think these people are forgetting that this is a company that sets up their title matches by guys simply walking out to the ring and demanding one. I mean, you know, it's one of the things about New Japan that bugs me, right? Guys just come out from the back and say that they want title matches, and they get them. And that bothers me. I, I think guys should do a better job of earning title matches sometimes in this company. But getting challengers isn't difficult. I mean, he could clean sweep the G1 and win and insert challenger here can just walk out and interrupt his speech and challenge him for whatever the next main, you know, uh, big pay-per-view event. That's not a big deal. I mean, it's pro wrestling guys. They can get him challengers very easily. Don't worry about that. Um, but is this now a realistic scenario where he can clean sweep this thing? And if he does clean sweep this thing, Rich, wouldn't Tanahashi be the perfect opponent to beat in the final? Yeah, because that's not a match you're burning because you've done it a million times mm -hmm. and it's a guy that you know that he can beat without really hurting him he'd almost be the perfect guy to beat in the final if, yeah, if, no, you're, if you're not wrong. And, and, story. and it matches with sort of the, the optics of Tanahashi right now. He's the guy that still thinks he's something and still right. thinks he's the shit and still thinks he's the guy. And then Okada just you know goes out there and beats him again. It's just like then Tanahashi's the, little show. And here's the thing the last match was a draw. Yeah. So Okada still kind of does have a little something to prove here, even though he did put him in the rear view at Wrestle Kingdom. 
He did take him to a draw last time in last year's G1. He got a nice little story there. I'm buying so in. I'm, I'm buying in a little bit here. I, I might not be off the off the tracks here. I'm telling you. If they're building that story, if that's the story they're telling, Tanahashi's the man he needs to face in the final, and I'll be all pumped up for that. And so yeah, you don't want to burn, burn Naito. Uh, that's no, still in the no, rear no, no. view. I mean, that's still in your back pocket. You can definitely use right. that. You don't want to – I mean, the rest of the guys, you'll get Sabre. I mean, of course, Sabre's not going to be there. Uh, Ishii will not but be there. you don't want to burn Ibushi. That's the other one you don't want to burn. No, no, and, and he's pretty far gone at this point, too. I, well, I, I don't know. He, he's one of those guys with six. But Yeah, but thing. I don't think he's – yeah, I don't think he's – The problem with Okada clean sweeping means he has to beat Omega again. And look, Omega's beaten Okada on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they, it, they're going to go 1 1 1. Okay. And I don't know if Omega's going to win. Now, look, Omega could win the whole tournament. You know where I stand. I think Omega Okada is the money match now. I don't think it's, I think Okada Naito would do well, but I think Omega Okada is the bigger match now. I think it's surpassed Omega Naito as the big match. I would call an audible and go Omega. So I don't think it's out of the question that Omega wins the entire tournament, but I think it's far more likely he gets his win over Okada to even the score, 1-1-1, and then loses to Naito in the final. That'll set up Naito to main event Wrestle Kingdom. And then Okada and Omega maybe face each other at King of Pro Wrestling or something like that. Um, That is the chalk version of how this plays out and the quote-unquote boring, predictable way of how things play out. But man, I am really trying to sell myself on Okada clean sweeping the whole thing yeah. and beating Tanahashi. I think that would be a lot of fun, at least for me personally. I think you would enjoy that too. A lot of people would fucking despise that though. Oh man, <laughs> half of fucking, tw- oh my God. Especially if, it, at the expense of Naito. I mean, you can't even. Oh yeah, top everything else. Oh God, that would just be, I almost want to see it happen just for <laughs> just the, see the world burn. Just see, the, see world burn. the world burn. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> but to me, it'd be a lot of fun, you know? Um, but yeah, but, but the, the way they're kind of slow playing NATO too, it, 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 that leads me to believe that he's definitely winning the thing. I mean, he's not running away with his block. He's lost some matches, which of course sets up briefcase challenges, right? Of so, course. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's got to have, you know, one or two briefcase challenges. And the guys, and you look at the guys he lost to, too, and they're the perfect guys to put in, like, a semi-main or a main event of a spot show. Ishii, Naito, Fale, Naito. I mean, that's the template right there for... Yeah. I don't know if you do Ishii again. I mean, although you could... Listen, Gato is not opposed to his rematches. No, yeah, he likes rematches, and I'm okay with that one, too, because those guys are pretty good. And they have incredible chemistry. And, yeah, but, again, yeah, a guy like Fale... I mean, come on. That's a guy you can you can beat in a scenario like that in a semi-main event. It's per, who's his third loss? Does he have a third loss? Uh, that's it. That's it. For, yeah. For right now he's four and two. So, um, yeah. So they've set up briefcase challenges, um, you know, against guys that have been frequent opponents. And he's kind of just laying in the weeds tied with a bunch of other dudes. Who's his last night opponent in Sumo Hall? Uh, let me look that up real quick. Yeah, let me let me make sure. Oh no, it is Tanahashi. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because that would be the one main event, and Okada Omega would be because they're redoing the Wrestle Kingdom ones. Yeah, or the Dominion ones again. So right, and 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 uh, so yeah, so the block will probably come down to him and Tanahashi. The only question is who that third guy is who needs them to draw or something to sneak in there because they always have a scenario like that. Um, so that could be, you know, do you think Abushi finds a way to get back in the mix? Who are his, uh, yeah, so he's got, so he has, and he absolutely could, cause he's got Goto left. He's got Nagata left and he's got Yoshihashi left. Okay. Who's his final night opponent? Uh, that I do not know offhand. Let me, let me try to fire that up. I quick. bet you it's Yoshihashi. Yeah, you're probably right. 
he beats he beats Nagata, of course, and then yeah, he um loses to or, or uh, yeah, and then loses to Yoshi or something like that at the in the last one. Um, well, I'm thinking, see, well, tell me who the opponent is. Yeah, let, let me go through. I I got to see the schedule, and then we can kind of predict it a little bit better. Uh Jesus! Oh come on! <laughs> Hold on, one sec, one sec, one listen, sec. So, listen, Rich, nobody hates dead air. It's no problem. No, it's great. No, it's not no great. pressure whatsoever. You know, no pressure. Yeah, you click these sites and they don't. We come well prepared here. Yeah, of course. Voices of Wrestling podcast. Really the problem the is here's the problem. The problem is we don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about before we start this thing. So <laughs> there's no, usually we're pretty good. This week we really had no fucking clue. You guys think this is slickly produced? I mean, you know, we prepare. Uh, you know, hey, usually usually it's that's not true. There. Sometimes it's better than this. Uh, he's got Goto. Komodo Bushi has Goto on the Sumo Hall last show. Okay, um, obviously a beatable guy. See, my feeling is Abushi is not one of those dudes that gets spoiled on the final night. My feeling is Abushi is one of those dudes who gets a big win on the final night and then is biting his nails when the main event goes on. Okay. So I, that, that's he's not losing to Goto. He, he's, he's beating, but then he has to lose to one of Yoshihashi or, um, no, he doesn't because he's two points behind Tanahashi. That's right. Okay. So he still is. So he can still get to there. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. See what I'm saying? So yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. that he goes in and he has a tiebreaker winning scenario somehow. Because uh, well, Naito guys. beat him, but he beat Tanahashi. So, right. So yeah. he'll need oh, Tanahashi. I see, I see what you're saying. Okay. See what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So he'll be the guy who is the third possibility when those guys get in the ring, I think, because he has the win over Tanahashi. So, um, you know, but, and then, and then that even makes more sense for Naito for it to win. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm hmm. So Naito's winning the block. And it's pretty think- cool. This is pretty cool that we're actually even having this discussion. You know what I mean? Like I really thought that this one, and if you look at our pick them, I mean, it was pretty well set that everybody kind of wanted these guys. I'm, I'm actually going to fire that up real quick. Just kind of give you an idea of what everybody picked uh, for block winners and see. Um, v- very quickly before you do that, they got to find a way to get Zack Sabre Jr. out of there because he. Beat- <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. He keep beating. And people. he's sitting there with eight points. Like Ishii, I'm not worried about. Ishii can lose <laughs> the rest of his matches because Ishii's the kind of guy that they beat all the time. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's, but they got to find a way for Zack Saber Jr. to start. Losing <laughs> I know they're, here. they're fucking around with Zack Saber Jr. And they got him in the, but let me there. let me propose you this: If Naito's not winning the G1, isn't Zack Saber Jr. a good guy to lose in the final? Not a bad guy to an Omega. Or if they go Omega, <laughs> he's again? not bad. I mean, that's that's it's ballsy, but yeah, I mean, I I, I wouldn't hate it, but yeah, because it's, it's a guy that you're really not burning a main event match. Sure. You know what no, I mean? Because no, he's no. not at that level yet. But anyway, go ahead with your. Uh... Yeah, so I want to kind of go over the guys that that people picked to just kind of give you an idea of of, of how uh, this has been pretty random here. So so a block winner, seventy eight point four percent picked Naito to do it, uh, and then the next closest was Kotobushi, of course, because you know people have to. Uh, Kotobushi at fifteen point seven, and then the rest of the guys were just this big blob right there. So. Right, right. I mean, it was compl- Tanahashi's at two point six. Seventeen people out of six hundred and fifty plus chose Tanahashi to win. Wow. 513 picked Naito to win. And we're at a position right now where we have just spent the last 20 minutes going over a number of different scenarios where Naito doesn't win and 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 plausible scenarios where Naito doesn't win. So yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's really, really interesting because the rest of the guys are just completely, you know, not even in the mix. And as far as the A block, I mean, it was very, very um, uh, pretty open there. So here, one second, let me fire them up. Uh, you know, you still had your favorite in Kenny Omega. He was at 58.7, but you have a few more here. You got Minoru Suzuki, 
uh, at 24.5. I, I think I kind of helped that because that was my pick, and I was yeah. talking about him. But he made the most sense. Like, doesn't he? And, and he still kind of makes sense as the guy that you have in there. I don't think he's as a winner either. I no, mean, no, no, no. He's, he's not. But um, yeah, because what's his surprising us is Okada's dominance is right. No, but I don't think anybody expected him to just clear the, to be the deck. At this point. I mean, I had him losing to Tamatonga. I had him losing to like Yano. Like I had him just losing a bunch of uh, random dudes. Well, I don't know what the hell you were thinking with that, but I I didn't think he'd be undefeated at this point. I, th- that's for sure. Yeah, well, no, I thought the the Yano loss was going to happen just because he kind of got, and then maybe the Tamatonga just like screwed him over or did some cheated or like I thought yeah. those guys because it's, it's like he wasn't going to lose to those guys straight up. Yano, I get Tamatonga. You're not. <laughs> I mean, you're I had to figure out some scenario because I didn't want him to be perfect. Like, I, and so it was kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was tough there, but yeah, I mean, as far as him, I'm trying to see how many people pick. So you had only 47 people pick him. 7.2 percent of people out of 654 thought that Okada. At any chance of winning the B block, and he's there, <laughs> he's right in the mix. Right. Uh, then yeah, you had Omega, uh, other guys, Sonata at three point five percent, Suzuki at twenty four, uh, Michael Elgin at five point five. So we know Elgin's out, uh, Sonata not out, but I mean that that seems you know pretty implausible for him at this point to do it. But uh, yeah, I mean so so Omega and and Suzuki are your two favorites as far as Suzuki. I'm gonna let me go over his thing real quick. So he's got to beat Elgin, which which is more than possible to do that. Yeah, uh, he would have to beat Okada. I believe. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, he'd have to beat yeah, Okada. That would put him two points behind with one match left. Yeah, yeah and then he'd have to beat Yano. So that that's very plausible. He could still find a way well, in there. Everyone's big theory all along was that Yano is spoiling him on the final night. And if he has wins over Okada and Omega, and he's two points behind, he's right there. Yeah, right. Right. Then I guess Yano would. Well, no, Yano wouldn't have to beat him because if Okada and Omega, one of them has to win. Yeah, see, that's the problem. Is those guys are so far ahead of everybody. It's, it's, it's Okada would have to lose two matches for Suzuki, and one of them would be to Suzuki. To be fair, right? So then, in order for Yano to spoil Suzuki, he's got to have a chance to tie both Okada and Omega with a win. With you know, assuming Okada, you know, yeah, Okada would have to lose two matches. He'd have to go into the final night. No, but that wouldn't even do it because he'd go into the final night with fourteen. That's what I mean. He's so far ahead. <laughs> Suzuki would have twelve, but could get to fourteen if he beats Yano. He'd have the tiebreak. Oh, you're right. Omega would have to lose one more match. Okada would have to lose two, and then no matter what, from that point, if Suzuki wins, he would it have to win. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Um, but then, so it'd come down to if Suzuki beats Yano, he wins the block. Well, no, does that work out then? Okay. So say Omega beats Okada. So, okay. So, so are you having Omega go clean? So who does Omega lose to? Here's what we need here. Okay. Listen, listen, Suzuki has to win his next two. That would give him 12. Right. Okay. So if we get Suzuki to 12, that means he's beating Okada in one of those two. Right. And do remember, do remember though, that Omega has a tiebreaker over Suzuki. So the, Right. So th- this is what I'm saying. Okada has to lose another match because Suzuki and Su- if, if Okada can well, he'll get lose to Suzuki and Omega, he'll lose to both of those guys. Right. 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 But he needs to lose another match going into the Omega match to have Suzuki still be alive. You see, he has to have. Do you understand what I'm well, saying? He, he's against Suzuki. So I'm saying he loses to Suzuki and then he loses to Omega. And that's but how. if he loses to Suzuki and he beats evil. Then Okada has 14. And Suzuki has 14, but then Omega has to lose somewhere along the way too because Omega has the tiebreaker over right. Suzuki. You see what I'm saying? 
No, yeah, for sure. Okay. That's why it's 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 confusing. It's hard to get Suzuki in there. It's but it, but it's plausible. No, it's absolutely plausible. But Omega has to lose Omega to Robinson or Sonata. He has to lose yeah. to Robinson or Sonata then. Right. Okada and Omega have to lose a lot, and they have to lose to people. Okada has to lose to Suzuki and Omega and and eight, 14, and probably – well, no, he doesn't have to lose to Evil because at that point, Suzuki can still tie him. But, but right, Omega would 14. have the tiebreaker, so Omega would have to lose another match somewhere along. Yeah, there. so it, it really makes Omega – I mean, Omega's the one then that – it seems pretty hard to believe that he loses to Robinson and Sonata. He's not losing to Robinson. Yeah, or, or one of those two, yeah. And I can't even see him losing to Sonata. No, I can't either. That's that's really strange. So so he's going into that Okada match with 14. Yeah. Okada could lose to Suzuki, and I think he probably will. Well, maybe not. <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. It's We're trying to, we're trying so hard to not make it Okada and Omega or make you know one of those two the winner, but I don't I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, but if Okada goes into the, to the the final match with 16, Okada can tie him at 16. Omega can tie him at 16 and win the block, but it would eliminate Suzuki. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a scenario where Suzuki is alive going into the final night. Or maybe they surprise us and Evil or Sonata sneak in there and are alive on the final night. Mhm. Um, you know, they've started the Sonata babyface push, so maybe it's him. I, you know, I think Evil has really come along as a as he's really impressed me as a worker in this tournament. I mean, I think he's taken a step up with his work. He needs to ditch the uh, the trench coat in there. Here, here's the thing the about Evil's though. character; it'll evolve. No, it'll actually, evolve. Once, once he becomes a real, once he becomes a big deal, that a lot he's of not going to be a main eventer carrying around a plastic fucking sickle, <laughs> right? Uh, so I, I'm not really worried about. It. I think that will evolve. Um, but, but, you know, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be fun to watch play out. I think there's a lot of intrigue coming down the stretch here. And this is such a dumb conversation because night, the next night's going to happen. <laughs> I know, but I, I enjoyed it. It's our yearly, like Joe and, and Rich, like fumble through math to try to figure out these scenarios. It's always, it's a good, it's a rite of passage. It's, it is not August until we have that conversation where we spend 45 minutes arguing with one another because we don't understand what the other one's trying to say. And then we figure out, Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. And then it's actually pretty brutal. I, I'm sure people, uh, <laughs> people like it. No, people like that last year. I, I, I thought it was brutal. And everyone's like, I love it. And I'm like, really? It's just Joe and I being idiots and <laughs> trying to figure out. Math. Well, I think they're like, listening along yelling the scenarios out too. Like, yeah. Maybe that's what they like. So it's... maybe it, it reminds me, it always reminds me of the NFL playoff scenarios going into like the last two weeks. <laughs> right. Yeah, know? we talked about that before. There's always a, like a five and nine team that's like, all right, look, here. Yeah, that's your seven games tie. Then the Arizona Cardinals will make it. Right. And that's Yoshihashi right now. Yeah. Yoshihashi's got to go on a hell of a run to do this, but he can do it. He can do he's it. The, you know what he, he's the five and nine team that has to win out to go seven and nine. And there has to be like 19 ties. You know what I mean? And the Patriots have to lose to the Jets. You know, shit that's never going to happen. That's what Yoshihashi is right now. And, uh, you know, but hanging on by a thread. He's still on the board when they put it up. AFC wildcard scenarios. There's Yoshihashi. Yeah, they still have to talk about him and, and give right, at least some things to it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, man. So that's, that's you. Anything else about the G1? No, man. My head hurts now. I can't figure this shit out. <laughs> You know, it's like you just let it play out. And then, all I know is I'm enjoying the fuck out of it. I a great got, What do I? I think I watched. Uh, how many nights have I gotten through? I'm up through night. I'm through night ten. I want to say. 
I'm up through. No, no, no. I'm up through well, you night. Have to be 11. Uh, you have to be 11, right? No, you I'm, said up you had... night, I'm not through night 11. I'm up through night 10. Oh, you are? Okay. All right. And I have, uh, let me tell you how many four-star matches I have. Four stars are better through night 10. Do you keep track of this stuff or no? Uh, somewhat. I, I I don't do a very good job of it. I, I should be better. I, I kind of have like a list. Because for me, I do that the list of like matches I should watch again. And then, you know what I mean? Like that that's kind of how I do it. And then at the end of the year, I, I go through and try to. But yeah, I, I, I don't do a very good job of like every match that I rated four stars or better. Whatever. I should. I've got, I've got 24 through 10 nights. And I'll tell you, I'm probably low end. Because I think Dylan Justin had like 24 through like seven nights or something. And I think uh, Allen is beating me too, uh, from what I saw. So I've got 24 matches at four stars or better through night 10. I, okay, you want a hot take? Let's Can I it. give you one hot take before we move on? I've preferred Kojima's G1 to Nagata's G1. Well, you're an idiot. That, you know how we talked about wrong opinions at the beginning of the show? That is a wrong opinion. All right, you want me to defend it? I want you to defend it right now, yep. I think Nagata has peaked higher with the, uh, with the Tanahashi match, which I loved. But there's you been the oh you haven't seen it yet okay never mind I'm, I'm remember I'm through night ten yeah okay all right I was gonna I was gonna call you an idiot because there was another but yeah but which, which, what's the match I'm looking at uh, Ishii Ishii Nagata Ishii yeah yeah I haven't seen it okay I think that so, might change your mind but go oh, that's that's fair and it might and I'll be honest if it does but I'm saying through night ten I think Nagata has peaked higher but every single Kojima match is like right there at like that four star range no, he hasn't sure. had it yeah Kojima's killing it he's had a great tournament. Yeah, so I've enjoyed his tournament overall more than Nagata. Now, to be fair, I'm obviously biased, number one. You're also wrong. Um, because I've always preferred Kojima. To, Nagata has never connected with me. Mm-hmm. He's he's just been a guy to me, even when he was at his peak. Kojima, I've always loved. But there's been Ko- there's been Nagata matches in this tournament that I that haven't really connected with me at all. But every single Kojima match, I think, has been has been excellent. So I think overall, while he hasn't peaked as high. Even though that Kojima Okada match, I think is is it wasn't as good as the Nagata Tanahashi match, but it came close. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think match for match, I've enjoyed Kojima more. Listen, Rich, I said it was a hot take. Okay, hot takes are supposed to be kind of controversial. <laughs> Give me a hot take. Do you have a G one hot take? Um, let me come up with my best. G1 While you're thinking hot- of one, yeah, let me let me think of my G one hot take. I'll Can give I- you a second one. I'll give you a second G1 hot take while you're thinking Ooh, a of bonus, a bonus hot take from Joe. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I'll buy you some time. There have been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There are twelve wrestlers in this tournament out of seventeen that I have looked forward to more than seeing more than watching Tetsuya Naito. I'm more into 12 of these guys. Tetsuya Naito is my 13th most anticipated wrestler when I put these shows on. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. No, I, I, I've, been, I've been pretty low on him too. I, it, it, he's, had, he's peaked very high, but then it, it's just... Here's the thing about Naito. Yeah, he always has great matches. He does, yeah, but I never want to watch them. I don't want to watch them. <laughs> right, I feel I'm like, like uh... I have to force myself <laughs> to watch this guy. I really feel like I have to... F- his match comes on and I roll my eyes and go, all right, I guess we've I always been, we've fun. always kind of been that way. I mean, that, that goes back years that we've just never been very hot on him one way or another. It's, it always works out well and it's always a good match. And, uh, but yeah, it's if for whatever reason, we've always, always, always listen, the Ibushi match is the second best match in this tournament, in my opinion. And I wouldn't begrudge anyone who says it's the best match at a tournament. And I, I've, I've loved a lot of his matches. The thing is I'm never hyped up for Naito as he's not a guy I look forward to at all. 
Okay, I got, I got my one ready here. What's this is one take? that I've been thinking. Okay, so this is the non-Toro Yano division. Okay, so we're we're striking we'll Toro Yano. Him out. Yeah, he's out. He's gone. Yeah. Um, what wrestler do you think I, I've whose matches I've liked the least out of this well, entire? Well, since G1? this is a hot take, it's got to be someone who's pretty good. That is correct. Elgin. No, it is not Elgin. I've liked Elgin. Who is it? Hiroki Goto. That's gonna be my other pick. I do not think he's had a good tournament at all. I don't think he's had a great tournament either. Let me look at my sheet. See what see what you have for ratings. He he. I, I don't know if it's effort. I don't know if it's he's hurt or he feels like he's just sleepwalking through stuff. I have. I'll, not, I'll leave you the ones for. Yeah, better. let me you see what you got for him. Yeah, nothing is really connected. But yeah, go ahead. Maybe kind of if I hear him back, I'll. Ishi four and a quarter. Okay, that one was good. That was that peaked at the beginning. Okay, yeah. Nagata four. Hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I didn't really like that one they as much. They beat that each was... other up. Oh, uh, you went, no, 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 I did like that one. Okay, I did like yeah. that one. So maybe I like go to more than I thought, but, but go on. I mean, it's been a good tournament. So there's... Here was one. This was two bulls beating each other up. Makabe, four and a quarter. Okay, well, you were not. Yeah, I didn't like that one as much as you did. Uh, Sabre Jr., four and a quarter. Hmm. You remember that one? That was night nine. Night nine. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't. I don't think I was as high as you, but I think I enjoyed it a little bit more. So maybe I feel like those are the Goto. four. Those are the four Goto matches I have. Oh, is it just that everyone else is so good that like because I haven't been when it's all said and done, and when I'm kind of looking back at this thing, I'm going, Ah, Goto hasn't done much for me. But goddamn, I you liked hmm. all those matches except the Makabe match, <laughs> right? Yeah, huh? But here's the thing: this tournament's been awesome. Yeah, I guess that. I guess now we've. Uh, that's sort of my realization that oh my god, everybody else is really good because I've loved, like looking at the list of guys, I can think of everything in my head and and everybody that I've really enjoyed and everybody that I really liked or whatever. And Goto stuck out as like, eh, yeah, Goto's had a bad tournament. But then you go through those matches, and I'm like, fuck. Like, I think it, it, look, he hasn't been a top line guy. The top line guys have been Abushi, Okada, um, uh, Saber, Tanahashi. Yeah, absolutely, I think Saber's killed yeah. it. Uh, you know he's been a he's been a next level guy. He hasn't been a top level guy, so I can see where you're, where you're coming from with that. Particularly in his block, I think the problem is if he was in the B block, maybe it would have a different. But he's in the A block, so he seems to be just completely overshadowed by those those guys. Because yeah, even in his block alone, I mean, like you're saying, Saber, Tanahashi, Ishii, Naito, Abushi, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I've liked Nagata a lot. So yeah, yeah even in his own block, he's he's way down there. But yeah, it's so uh, okay. That's that's um, that was good. I was a little exercise there. I, I thought I hated Koto more than I did this tournament, but it turns out he's really good. But I guess that, that really just goes to show you how awesome this tournament's been. Every so, time I turn yeah. around, Yoshihashi's hitting four. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, so he's it's like... Tournament. He's had a really good tournament. I've, ha- I've got him on my sheet like three times, and it's, it's fucking Yoshihashi. This, here's maybe a hot take-ish thing here. Is this the deepest G1 we've had? Oh, I've... In the I've, recent listen. G1 history of, of what, what we count as, what, 2012 on or 2011 on or whatever. I made that point on Twitter. I think this is the deep... Because you don't have the dead weight. There's no Doc Gallows. There's no dead weight. There's no Ujiro. There's, there's, there's no Ujiro. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's none of these guys who are, 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 are just... When you have a match, you know that it's going to be a two-star yeah, match. I mean, the worst guy in the A block is, is like, Bad Luck Fale or <laughs> Makabe, and those guys are good. Like, if, you're, if you're someone who's into Yano... There's no dead weight. Next there's tournament. zero dead weight. Yeah, if you there's no dead weight. Yeah, if you don't skip the Yano or roll your eyes or whatever. Yeah, you've been loving this. So yeah, and and I'll tell you, the Yano matches, I haven't hated them. They've been fun. They found unique ways to to do them. I the mean, Sonata. Listen, I love the Sonata match, and I thought the finish was brilliant. You know, and and the evil match was super short. Um, 
and and well, I've gotten you know, away from. I mean, there were prior years where he would literally do the same thing every single match, and I guess yeah, that was the story they've been they a little to different this time around. They haven't, yeah. They've, they've kind of changed it up a little. The bit. Omega match, the Sonata match, the Evil match, all very different from one another. Um, trying to think what else he, uh, the other matches he's had, but um, you know, yeah. So he, the Okada match, I didn't really love that. Um, you know, so yeah, he's done some different things with people. I didn't really like the Kojima match either. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're not a guy who who despises Yano, there's no dead way. Tamatanga is probably the yeah. least interesting guy. I mean, the only people I'm interested in less than Naito are are, are Fale, Tanga, Yano, um, Nagata. I know people are going to kill me for that. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but I've like, but here's the thing: I've liked Nagata's matches. I just I, I've I've loved Naito's matches. I'm just not hyped up when he hits my screen. You know what I mean? I'm like, ugh, all right, I'll watch this. And then by the end of the match, I like it. Well, I don't know, you know, what do you want me to say? I'm just not a big Naito guy. I don't know what to say. But uh or Nagata for that matter. But yeah, it's been a great tournament. And yeah, I, I do imagine. think it's you, know, <laughs> you hate Nagata, you think all of his matches suck. You hate Naito, you think all of his matches suck. And now you're bumping Naito out of the Wrestle Kingdom main event so you can get your Tanahashi. Uh... I actually do kind of hate Naito, but um <laughs> but, but here's the thing. I I hate him in a kayfabe sense. I never right. root for him. I think his character is like a whiny bitch. I'm not oh, into that. Yes, that's his character. He's a whiny little yeah, prick. I'm yeah. not into that shit. I'm not into fits. the Yeah, he throws fits and Yeah. Uh. I'm, I'm not into people who complain about not getting what they think they deserve. I just that doesn't connect with me. So I root against the character. You know what I mean? And that's a good thing because I, I often don't root for people in matches and I do always root against him. Um and not it not in a go away heat way, just I don't like his character. But his matches do end up delivering. I'm just not in it. I'm just not into him as a as a character at all. Uh, he doesn't connect with me. I, you know, um, Nagata. I don't know. I've just never connected with Nagata. I just uh, I'm We're so sick of that stupid yeah. armbar. I mean, I just I, I'm sick. I, I could do without the armbar too. But you know. can he beat somebody with it once? Just once. That'd be nice. Yeah, he rolls his eye back and then they <laughs> they tap out. He just looks yeah. like, oh shit, like, really? Can he, can he beat a young lion with it like that? Or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just I'm you know I understand it's an iconic spot and all that, but. I don't know. I wasn't a big New Japan fan in in 2008 or whatever, so it doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not iconic to me. I was watching fucking Noah or whatever, or Ring of Honor, or whatever I was watching in 2008. <laughs> well, speaking of that company you just mentioned, Ring of Honor, let's talk about uh, a little joint production of Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, a show that now I have bought tickets to and I'm going to. Uh, Global Wars. They announced a an addition of the Global Wars tour in Chicago. Uh, it's on uh, Sunday, October 15th. They're coming to uh, the Odium, which you will. Everybody should know the Odium. Joe, do you remember the Odium? The Villa Park Odium, the new new venue for uh, ROH in Chicago. The Frontier Fieldhouse, they've outgrown it for these New Japan shows. They're going to the Villa Park Odium. Does that Are ring you a bell happy to you? About that? I am very happy because it's like five minutes away from my house. So I can, I can literally ride my bike to that uh, arena. So no, I'm much happier about that. Do you own a bike? I do own a bike. I bike how, a often do you, how often do you ride yeah, the bike? Weekend. You ride your bike every weekend. Yeah. Oh, there's there's a lot of trails around where where I moved into. So like I'll go on like a twenty mile bike ride or whatever now. So twenty awesome. miles. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll do more, but twenty miles is about. You know. Does the nurse ride a bike? Uh, yeah. Not as frequently as I do. Will she go on these bike rides with you? Uh, she will. Yeah. Sometimes it depends where I'm, where how far we're planning on going. But no, she's she's went on the big one, long ones with me too. Do you so. wear helmets? Uh, the, the, no. <laughs> you don't wear a helmet. I don't wear a helmet. Do you have a tandem bicycle that you ride with? <laughs> we do not have. We have separate bicycles. Yes. There is no tandem bicycle. No tandem bicycle. Would you ride a tandem bicycle? I would not wear a tandem. Uh, no, I have not. No, you wouldn't do that. Oh, no. I'm curious. Why wouldn't you ride a uh, tandem? You don't think that's cute? Nah, no, it's not cute. It looks weird. Does the nurse wear a helmet when she rides the bicycle? Uh, she does not. 
So you're non-helmet. You guys are rebels. <laughs> rebels on these trails, yeah. yeah. I really should. I absolutely should. I, I go pretty fast, so I should probably do this. But yeah. so you don't want to end up like Bret Hart, right? No, like, God, no. Fall no, off no. your bike and have a stroke. Yeah, and then then I act like Bret Hart acts these days, which is this is not great. No, I I, I would. Uh, yeah, no, I I should probably wear a helmet. Back. Why are you burying Bret Hart all of a sudden? Well, you know, he's no. If you talk, he, the guys, it's not all upstairs. Not with Bret Hart. Well, he's a heart. No, I met him a few times as well, and it's just they're like, all a little unbalanced, you know. Yeah, like no, I met him at uh, Ring of Honor. Show. Remember when he was doing the Ring of Honor's things? Like him and Ric Flair were doing those. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to one with Brett, and I like talked to him for like a minute, and I was just like, oh man, like I really shouldn't have done that because it's just there's nothing behind the eyes. He's just kind of like there, and you're just kind of like oh, right. that family's like, something else, you know. Yeah, it's just like when you meet that guy, and you're like, oh man, like and it's just you're kind of like, oh, okay, he's just kind of he just felt empty and and <laughs> dead inside, and it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of weird. So I'm just gonna. And he cuts those weird promos now when he comes back to WWE, and you can tell he just doesn't really know what's going on. And yes, I didn't know you held all this uh, these feelings about Bret Hart. No, I love Bret Hart, but it's just like, yeah, you meet him a few times. I met him actually. I met him another time as well. He was doing like a Dreamwave shot as well, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I now I've realized, and I tell my friends this too: never meet any wrestlers ever. If you like them, just just unless they're like in the prime of their career or whatever, then you can maybe you know hang out with them or, you know, or meet them or go to a meet and greet or whatever. But if it's like a legend, just don't even do it. Because they're 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 either going to be an asshole or they're going to be not what you think they're going to be or or whatever. It just it's not worth it. It's it's. I hear Sid is very friendly to his fans. Oh god, <laughs> yeah, I've told you the Sid story. Before, I've but. heard the Sid story. Yeah, no, that uh, didn't go over well. Long time listeners have heard the Sid story. He's uh, yeah, he's exactly how you think he'd be, right? Did I ever tell you the time I met uh, we met Demolition at the there was an all night flea market that's like, it's actually where I li- where I, where I ended up moving it's like literally across the street is this all night flea market they do it until it goes to like two a.m. or whatever so one time Demolition was there and my buddies and I were are, are like talking and no one's there. it's like one a.m. no one else is there they're struggling to stay awake or whatever so we're talking to Demolition for like twenty minutes or whatever like one of my other friends is like way into them so he's talking and doing all this sort of stuff and. And they, they're, you know, talking, they're chatting. And it, it's pretty cool. And they're kind of like interacting a little bit and they, they seem to be having fun. And then like, I forgot which one it was. I think it was Darso just kind of clears his throat and he's like, uh, you guys planning on buying any autographs or what? And my friend was just like, oh no. And they were just like, well, you're wasting our time. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> we're like, oh shit. Like, Well, you got to remember, <laughs> these are two guys who refused to do a job to the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, <laughs> right, right. on a PWS show in like 2014. Yeah. Because that must have been when I told this story, but yeah, in case I didn't. You know, so it's like in 2014 where it really doesn't fucking matter which team loses a match like that. It, look, it's not 1987 guy. You know what I mean? So Buck just told him to get lost and he booked somebody else. So, um, you know, demolition. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, couple pieces of work i guess but i, I always tell these people remember their workers especially the old dudes those oh, guys yeah. are workers through and through they don't want it they don't give a shit about you they don't give a shit about some memory that you had about them they're workers and that was demolition working us for 20 minutes and then going all right you guys buying the autographs or what and we said no <laughs> shut off done walk away get the hell out of here we don't want to talk to you anymore how about dink chasing around a 10 year old adam lash at a flea market uh, you know, <laughs> with a is with a, a black Yeah, you never see. He told no, me, no, no. I don't think I've heard about this one. You got to look. He told this story on Twitter. Um, he he. Uh, you got to find it on his timeline. He was like ten years old, and Dink was at a flea market, and uh, you know, and and Dink decided to follow him around with a black and white photo, just saying like twenty dollars over and over, twenty dollars, and <laughs> scared the shit out of him, made him cry. 
you know, he runs back, hides behind his mother, and his mother gave Dink the twenty dollars just to get him the fuck there away. There you go. That's a worker right there, baby. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, not what he wanted. He, yeah. Now that guy's got a reputation for being a real asshole. Not Adam Lash. He's a lovely man. I was um, gonna say, geez, the, uh, like, wow. Dink, <laughs> Dink, everybody order Powerbomb TV. Um, he Dink has a reputation for being a real piece of shit. Well, he's French, uh, isn't he? He's a French Canadian. Oh, yeah. ooh, this vitriol towards the French. Well, I mean, no, come on, I'm just playing the stereotype. Everybody knows the French are dickwads. So. Except yeah, our listeners. French, Except very, our French listeners. They are the best people in the world. Of course. The French are very uppity, right, Rich? Of course. Of course. For stereotypes that have hurt. So. He's a French Canadian. And uh, yes, I hear he's a very surly fella. I've never heard a good story about Dink from anyone. <laughs> and I've heard many Dink stories. I, you know, I have not heard many Dink stories. I, I have. I have heard many Dink stories. Um, but, uh, you know, the Adam Lash one is the best, though. I mean, I, you can't just see that scenario playing out, Dink chasing a 10-year-old oh, kid around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just saying $20 over and yeah, over. Full makeup, doing his, like, doing, like, because when he came out, he kind of had this, like, shuffle that he did. You know, he didn't walk normally. He kind of bounced from left to right. So he's doing that yeah. as he's <laughs> chasing this child. Yeah. He worked a wrestling revolver show at Mania Weekend. Did you watch that show? The Wrestle Circus. Oh, God, no. I, I actually, I never did. No, I never, I never, never got He worked it. like the gauntlet match, and he got into the ring, and he looked totally apathetic. He 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 bit, I believe it was, um, uh, not not Leva Bates. It was, uh, uh, who's the, uh, her name is escaping me right now. It was Moose's manager in Ring of Honor. Um Veda, oh, Scott. Veda, Veda Scott, Veda Scott, yeah, yeah. He bit her ass. He did an oh, ass-plating spot with like Veda Scott. And then uh, was never officially eliminated from the match. He kind of just rolled under the bottom rope and, and left and went home. And that was it for <laughs> he Dink. Bit, he, bit, he bit an ass and then he bounced. <laughs> he bit an ass and then he got the fuck out of there. And that was the end. Of, like, I look, think, I'll do one thing. I will bite her ass and then I'm out. <laughs> you know what? I think that was the Janela show. It was either the Janela show or the... Oh, no, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're burying the... Re- yeah, that was the Janela show for sure. It was the Janela show, yeah. The Glacier, yeah. Because I think later in that match, Veda Scott got her teeth knocked out, right? Yes, she did, yeah. yeah. Or, or something like that. Or a tooth or her teeth or something got knocked out of her mouth. Or she bit her tongue. It was something. She had some kind of mouth injury where she was bleeding all over the place. But uh, but yeah, so what the hell are we talking about? Dink? We were, I, yeah, I don't know. We, I was trying to talk about Ring of Honor New Japan for wrestling. Uh, oh, you were, you were getting on about bikes and stuff. And then I talked about demolition and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so I could ride my bike to the show. So I'm very happy. But do you, do you know, does the Villa Park Odium ring any bell to you? No. Okay. Uh, what about ECW Anarchy Rules 1999? I'm guessing that's where it was held. It was exactly where it was held. So that was the that was the old ECW. I I no idea why ECW ever ran there. The place is kind of a dump. <laughs> it's kind of shitty, but I'm glad it's got seats. It's uh, much closer to my house, and uh, it should be a pretty cool atmosphere. So anyway, we got Global Wars coming up uh, Sunday, October 15th. Uh, Ring of Honor announced it by saying that Kenny Omega was going to be there and that he was going to be defending the U.S. title, the uh, New Japan or IWGP United States Championship. Not so fast. That has changed. Uh, Joe, what was the story behind that? We kind of heard well, never people in New Japan. Yeah. Here's, a, here's the problem. So we we, yeah, we we don't know that he's not doing it anymore, but the that they announced it was the issue. They announced that he's defending the U.S. title. The problem was they never bothered to ask New Japan if he would be defending the U.S. title on that show, and they went into business for themselves and announced that. The New Japan office told us directly that they never approved or, uh, you know, um, or, or okayed a U.S. title match for Kenny Omega on that show, ever. And New Japan, and, and, and when they saw Ring of Honor release that information on their website and on Twitter, 
the New Japan office contacted them and told them, you cannot advertise that because we have not approved a United States title match for Kenny Omega. So Ring of Honor immediately put out a retraction and then adjusted story and said that while Omega will be there, there is no guarantee that there will be a United States title match. Now, so, now I ask you really quick, do, do, yeah. do you see it as being, because some people have read it as they're not necessarily upset that they're, they're upset. That they announced it. Yes, of course, without asking them, but yeah. they're more upset that they announced it because Kenny Omega may be defending it at one of the September shows. Cause there well, were three destruction shows this year. That's there right. Three. There's, There's three destruction shows. Yeah. So New Japan is not going to announce you, – you know they're very strict about that. They're not going to announce a future title match if there's another title match happening right. before that because it spoils the results. They never do that. So it is possible that Omega – what's the date of this Chicago show? The Chicago show was uh, – what did I say? October uh, it's 15th. October. Yeah, so you got so, the three destruction shows. You got September 10th, September 16th, and September 20th. That are all going to need made events. Right. There'll be a briefcase match. There'll be an IWGP title match, and then there could be a U.S. title match or an Intercontinental title match, but they're going to need main events and semi-main events for three destruction shows. So it is very possible that Omega will have a title defense in September, and if that's the case, New Japan would not want a United States title match announced for October to give away the result of the September match. Now, that's not the reason we were given. Correct. The reason we were given was was that Ring of Honor never they never confirmed to Ring of Honor that Omega would be defending the title. They just confirmed that he'd be working the date. Um, so you know, you know, we weren't told that Omega has a title match. I don't know if he has a title match. Now, that could be the reason that they never confirmed that that, that they're not allow that they're not announcing a title. Here's here's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is it's not as if Ring of Honor knows the October date is a U.S. title match and just bl- you know blab their stupid mouths and New Japan's mad. It's that New Japan never told them that there would be. It, it just Ring of Honor went into business for themselves. Assumed, like, oh, not. you're letting us book. Yeah, you're letting us book Kenny Omega. Oh, it must be a U.S. title match. Right. Which- they just assumed for whatever reason, but they, it was never the case. They were never told that it would be a title match. Which is different than New Japan telling them, yeah, Omega's going to defend the yeah, title. They saved this for a little while because we don't right. want to give away the result of, of the Correct. destruction in Hiroshima main event or whatever. Yeah, That's not the case. The case was Ring of Honor just went into business for themselves and assumed something that was never the case. <sighs> Maybe a text next time. Maybe a call real quick. Yeah. I mean, a DM, a phone call, a text. Okay. We're just this stupid podcast, and we cleared it up in, what, 10 minutes? Yes. I asked someone a question. They asked me back in 10 <laughs> Probably minutes. Probably the same person that they would ask, <laughs> too. Right. Hey. So it's like, you know, what are they doing? <sighs> they're about to uh, be left at the altar. That's <laughs> what they're about to be doing. Yeah, it's uh, that relationship, man, is, is, is strange. And this is yet another weird, like, they, they, Ring of Honor does not have the they don't have the benefit of screwing up anymore. You know what I mean? They're on, they're on edge of this relationship or whatever, you know, they've, they've cheated a few times and, and, and New Japan's still going to let them kind of hang around, but it, it, they're looking elsewhere. They're, they're starting to look at other people. They're asking their friends and stuff, but they're still dating, you know, they're still kind of, but they're, they're waiting for that out. They're, they're waiting to how they're going to break the news and when they're going to break the news. And Ring of Honor cannot afford to, to accelerate that. I think as soon as New Japan figures that they just don't need Ring of Honor for anything anymore, 
it's over. You know, it's kind of like, well, they're really not using their talent much anymore. I mean, that, that's that's one thing that's pretty damning to me is like for so many years it was you know the O'Reillys, the uh, the Bob Fishes until they became you know pretty much full time, and then you know you had a lot of guys that were coming over from Ring of Honor, your Lethals or whatever that were coming over a lot. Your your, your you know uh, your Mike Bennett's who kind of was coming, and then like yeah, these guys had signed deals with you, but there seemed to be a little bit more of that symbiotic relationship where they were borrowing guys, these you were borrowing guys, but that kind of is over now. <laughs> like New Japan, like, Ring of Honor will gladly take any New Japan guys, but how many New Japan guys are are, are of honor dudes you, you i kind of wish the relationship would end just so hangman page would stop working <laughs> i guess he counts but i don't really count him because i think ring of honor said you can have him and don't don't call us we'll we'll call you about taking him back so i don't know it seems like new japan likes hangman page i don't know why yeah what is there like i mean i mean i'm missing it i guess <laughs> aside from yoshitatsu and yujiro and i don't know who else i mean He's the least interesting guy on any New Japan show, right? Oh, God, yes. I mean, he's just not interesting. Chase Owens walking out to the ring is more interesting than anybody. Oh, I, I would... Yeah. I would rather watch Chase Owens than Hangman Page. Right. And I, I, not even Chase Owens, like, in the ring. Like, just Chase Owens coming down to the ring and doing something on the side of the ring is still yeah. more I entertaining mean, than any <laughs> Adam Page match I've ever seen. So. I'm more interested in Chase Owens than Adam Page. And, and look, I don't watch PWX, to be fair, but... Over my lifetime as a wrestling fan, I've enjoyed more Chase Owens matches than Adam Page matches. Oh, I mean, because yeah, yeah. I watched sure. all those Chase Owens, Jason Kincaid matches over the years, and they all blow away any Adam Page match I've ever seen. Now, people tell me Adam Page is tremendous in that home promotion of his, but I don't, I don't watch that place, so I don't, you know, Chase Owens. I've seen him have, you know, excellent four star plus matches, you know, for years, you know, not necessarily in New Japan. But uh, yeah, I mean, I oh, so for sure, I find Chase Owens way more interesting than Adam Page. I don't know. I, it's probably a minority opinion, but it's my minority opinion, Rich. Yeah, and I'm sticking to it. You're well, in your rights to do that. All right, um, let's talk about some indies here a little bit. So that's we've let Ring of Honor put that in the background. Let's talk about some indie cards coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, a few coming up this weekend. Uh, and then if we have time, we'll talk about uh, WWE guys that have left. I lost track of it. <laughs> Are you timing this show? Because I forgot to time it. So I am not timing this okay, show. Okay, so this could be uh, already three hours. It could be four hours. I don't know what the hell time's going on here, but we're going to keep so going. So we're going to balance around the indies. Yes, I think we, I, I'm pretty sure we have about 30 minutes left to go. So we'll uh, probably time this. But <laughs> again, not a good production. I don't know why anybody thinks we're a good production. We're terrible. We don't know what we're doing. But um, yeah, let's talk about some of these indie shows uh, coming up here uh, in a few weeks. So we have... Uh, uh, Progress NYC, uh, the Wrestle Circus show, and then AW's uh, weekend in LaSalle. Uh, Joe, let's start off with the Wrestle Circus. I know that's in your backyard. Uh, first off, are you going to the show? Uh, this is on Saturday, and I am not going to the oh. show, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> You're going to miss Scorpio Sky and Cody R. This is the worst Wrestle Circus show that they've. This is the worst lineup that they've had, it's, and it's and listen, listen, it's, it's a sold out lineup. It's so good. There's you so many good talent on here, but they sold out. So I can't really rip them for that, but they sell out every show. But this lineup stinks. And this is a company that, you know, said that due to fan, you know, the, at the demand of the fans, they were finally going to cut down the length of the shows and only do eight match shows. <laughs> only do six hour shows as opposed to seven. So, And they've got eight matches announced, but then they also have a Lance Hoyt open challenge. <laughs> so that's nine. And Melissa Santos, Leva Bates, and Gentleman Jervis have also been announced. I uh, assume, uh, that... sir, that is not how they're listed. It's Melissa Santos, Leva Bates, Gentleman Jervis. 
Not Jervis Cottonbelly. Gentlemen. Jervis. Oh, no. He uh, has been quackenbushed, and he cannot use that gimmick anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So people don't so, believe that every time we do this, like people are like, no, there's, Quackman is, is the most, like one of the most powerful men in wrestling. And I have no idea how or why the two but. most powerful people in wrestling are Mike Quackenbush and Kate dot. Okay. So <laughs> let's just face it. Those are the assassins of the wrestling world. You fuck uh, with quack, man. He will destroy. He will you. sleep with the fishes <laughs> and, uh, and if you fuck with Kate Dot, you know, like THG, we, you will see. Okay, have we confirmed that, that Quackenbush has not? Uh, actually, I was gonna never was, has not killed a man. I don't. <laughs> I was gonna say that, but I don't want to. I don't want to get into anything. But uh, Quack may have killed a man. That's what I'm saying. Is can, there, can we track a wrestler that worked in Chikara that nobody knows the whereabouts of? So oh, can, there's a lot of those. So we can. Stop, but I mean, and then we like no, like zero people know any whereabouts of that we can f- maybe track down and find out if Quack killed them or like buried them in a construction site or something because I'm I, I don't know that's happened quite it's, a few times. <laughs> we can confirm that he told his locker room that voices of wrestling is public enemy number one to <laughs> anyone who works for Chicago. <laughs> we're like we're fucking stupid. We're nothing. We, we're he garbage. told his locker room that this we are the show, enemy. This number. show where we just said how long are we recording for we might be over <laughs> this might be we have no idea. No one may even hear this because we may have gone over time. <laughs> we're public enemy number one. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, the worst Wrestle Circus lineup I've I've seen, and they usually have good lineups. Uh, Cody's defending the ROH World Title against Scorpio Sky. Rich, will we see Scorpio Sky at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom? <laughs> yes, thirteen or whatever the fuck is it? Twelve? No doubt. 11, no doubt. Yes, Scorpio Sky winning here. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom twelve, I believe it is. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no public enemy number one. Which Wrestle Kingdom is it? We don't even know what Wrestle Kingdom it is. Uh, yeah. So that's not a good main event. Um, Rapongi Vice is defending the tag team title, the big top tag team titles against Adam Cole and Britt Baker. You know, <laughs> you book Rapongi Vice, who's a hot act right now. This is such it's a like the return of Rapongi Vice because they broke up in New Japan. Like it, it's the return of Rapongi Vice back once again. Maybe for the last time, you could lie about it. And say I uh, here's the thing: if I wasn't busy, I wouldn't go. And this match is one of the main reasons because this stinks. <laughs> I have zero interest in seeing Adam Cole team with Britt Baker. Oh, come on. What about the wink, wink, nudge, nudge? Hey, Adam Cole. Oh, it's, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Every person on this card has their wife or girlfriend booked too. It's <laughs> right, like, yeah. You can make a connection. It is essentially, yeah. There's like five cars driving up to the show because everybody's. Does Wrestle Circus know how to say no to anyone? I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> you know, you don't have to book everybody's girlfriend. And this this little cutesy thing of people teaming with their boyfriend or facing off with the boyfriend girlfriend facing each other it's garbage. Yeah, it's one of the beyond, worst trends. Beyond wrestling, wrestling yeah. does it all the time too, and I have zero interest in it. It makes me not want to watch a show. It's just cutesy shit. Intergender stinks to begin with. Intergender is it is garbage. It's creepy garbage. On t- and and on top of and then you, you do this cutesy shit where these couples are fight facing each other, teaming. Each other. It's junk. It's gimmicky junk. I'm not interested. It's a total waste of Rapongi Vice. This stupid match. He loaded with. Who've Dumb had an incredible comedy. year. Who've had just an incredible yeah. year. I mean, that's a shoot. You book Rapongi Vice. I mean, especially with the talent that we're going to mention over the rest of the show. There's if any combination of two other people. And Rapungi Vice. I mean, there is 200 different combinations you can come up with. That would be better. It's just shit. It's pure shit. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, who's another one. I have no interest. 
defending against Lufisto. Okay, so they book Lufisto. That's that's nice. That's yeah, fine. That's fine. Yeah. I have no interest in Tessa Blanchard. I just I have none. Um, I, I I don't think she's any good. Um, and and I think you're going to see her win a lot of indie titles, Rich, because she doesn't have much <laughs> of a future in the big company. So uh, you might as well put your title on her because she's not going anywhere. Um, Sammy Guevara versus JT Dunn. I'm not a big JT Dunn guy. Nah, yeah, same with me. Never have been. Um, you know, I just don't think he's very good. Uh, Brian Cage versus Angelico versus uh, Flip Gordon versus Jordan Lennox. Jordan Lennox, of course, is the brother of the promoter, the little brother of the promoter. Um, no, he's okay. All right. But now he's starting to get booked in other places, you know, inspire him. And, um, it's a shame. What, what were you going to say? No, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, um, Brian Cage absolutely got this booking because they booked Melissa Santos already. I'm sure. Right. Well, I mean, you know, if Brian Cage is, is getting booked, then he finds a way to get Santos. Booked. Oh, I should have thought, I thought I'd assume it could, the other way around. Or the other way around. I mean, be, you know, yeah. you have to book everybody's wife and girlfriend. You can't just book. <laughs> One guy, you got to book the or the girl, you got to book both. It's a package deal. I guess because they they buy like five star hotels, right? Uh, they get very nice hotel accommodations. Okay, so yes. I think that's that's yeah. certainly so. Then like they're really only going to buy like what six hotels for this entire show? Like six, we're talking about six rooms tops for this entire show. Oh, you're so. saving on rooms. Yeah, that's exactly. Your, <laughs> you just always so book couples. You're saving on rooms, but you're, you're booking a million people. Yeah, yeah, but you're saving on the five star rooms. So you maybe you know you, you throw them fifty for the show, and then yeah, you 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 can double up the the hotel rooms because everyone's you know gonna share the bed. So that that's that's smart. So Kevin Condren, who's working double duty, hard worker here. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know what's uh, funny is that Adam Cole, Britt Baker, Rapongi Vice is not the worst intergender. It's match not in the worst show. Match. No. Because there's one that might be the worst intergender match in the history of intergender matches. This is going to be maybe the worst intergender match of all time. It's going to be one of the worst matches of all time. And that is absolutely – and one part of these – one half of this is fine, and the other half is Brandy Rhodes. Kevin Kevin Condren takes on Brandy Rhodes. It says if Condren wins, Cody must defend the ROH title. I don't know what that means because he is defending the ROH title against (laughs) the first guy. The card says that he is. But I suppose that means he's going to have to defend it against Condren if he wins. Or Gentleman Jervis, or Jervis Cottonbelly, or what was Condren's other gimmicks? Tornado Kid or some shit? What was he? Uh, I'm not about to unmask anybody, so I'll let you do that. Well, I just already did that, so it doesn't matter. You public I, enemy number one, unmask I think, everybody's. I think that that isn't exactly a fucking state secret that he's uh, the you know Gentleman Jervis. I don't want to get listen. I don't want to get whacked by Quack. So I'm gonna keep continue. I'm gonna continue to call him Gentleman Jervis uh, and not Jervis Cottonbelly, which is proprietary. Uh, you know. Uh, property of uh, Mike Quackenbush. Uh, what was his? What was Condren's original um, Jakara gimmick? Do you remember? Or no, it was Tornado Kid. Or yeah, I'm trying to remember back. Um, what... This is why there's heat between him and Quackenbush because. Um, let me look this up. Let me. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let the producer. Yeah, yeah, you don't want here. Yeah, we yeah, got a time operation here. Uh, Kevin Condren. Uh, oh, kid cyclone! I knew it was some kind of weather pattern. What did I say? Tornado, kid, kid tornado. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kid cyclone. Um, right? Yeah, it was okay. But I mean, how bad is that? Does anyone want to watch Brandy Rhodes wrestle kid cyclone? I mean, no. who wants to see that? This is junk. I say that, but it's sold out. <laughs> so what do you know, you idiot? What do I know? Okay, so we've got Rachel Ellering versus Christy Janes. The winner gets a title shot. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. Have you seen Christy Janes? I have not, no. She's okay. She's pretty good. Uh, cute as a button, Rich. 
and a pretty decent worker to boot. She's uh, she's fine. I have no problem with her. I'm sure you're familiar with Rachel Alring. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, who I think is uh, uh, better than Tessa Blanchard. I mean, I just I can't get into <laughs> Tessa Blanchard. I, a lot of phrases. <laughs> I I mean I don't know. Um, but but Tessa, look, listen. At least they're not booking sexy star anymore, because that is that's as low as yes. Now we've got Space Monkey and Super Beetle. <laughs> I'm into this match. I don't know about you. It's maybe my most anticipated match of the entire card. The page and JC rests. I, I don't know what's going on here, but it's more shit. So I look at this card, <laughs> and legitimately, I mean, the best match is probably going to be Sammy G versus JT Dunn, right? Yeah, which and. It's when, like, when your show because, costs right, like $30,000, you, you should probably yeah, should probably be better. But. And, you know, there's a Lance Hoyt open challenge. He he beat um, Steve O'Reno, who's a local uh, Austin guy, on the last show. That was Lance Hoyt's uh, surprise return from the back injury. Um, so there'll probably be big, some big surprise for him here, too. Uh, knowing this company, it'll be Davy Boy Smith Jr. or something. They'll fly him in from Canada, <laughs> right. first class. Who's the most expensive guy? <laughs> pay fifteen hundred dollars and not announce him and break up Killer Elite Squad or something. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, did you see that uh, Tangaloa claimed that he wasn't paid by these guys? They said uh, something like, "What are you most looking forward to?" or something. And his response was, "Well, I'd be surprised if you paid me for my last booking." Oof. But what? But it was. But what happened was uh, supposedly they uh, they paid Tamatanga double to his PayPal account. So Tangaloa, he removed the tweet. They, but, every every Samoan knows each other, so they should just yeah be able to. Well, they are brothers to be fair, but uh, it, yeah. I think in in error they paid one guy twice. And I, what? I, but here's the funny thing about that story, Rich, that no one's talking about. Tamatanga kept his brother's money, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> he didn't okay. say, well, this is an accounting error. Like, right. hold on a minute. Yeah. So, so Tangaloa has been waiting for this Wrestle Circus money this whole time, and I'm sure he's been vocal about it. I'm sure he's mentioned it to his brother. Tamatanga knows that he has the dude's money, and he keeps it. Workers. Which is Workers. incredible to me. This is the same man who was selling bootleg Bullet Club shirts, don't forget. And and got in trouble for it from New Japan, so that Tamatanga, you got to watch that dude. Okay, he's keeping his brother's money. He's selling bootleg shirts. So uh, I I thought that was the funny. See, the funny part of the story to me wasn't that Tangaloa mouthed off to Wrestle Circus on Twitter. It was that his brother didn't pay. You know, kept tried to You're keep right, his money. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the Wrestle Circus card, and it stinks. It will be available on Twitch as usual, as I tell everybody not to watch it. Um, you can tip the wrestlers. That's their other new gimmick, Rich. Have you heard about the tipping? Gimmick? I have heard of tip. Yeah, yeah, I have. Interesting concept. I don't have a super uh, hot very take con- on that either. Yeah, people are really upset about it. I don't really have a hot take. On I'm it. not upset about it. What's the big deal? I don't care. I don't have a problem with it at all. You don't have to. Um, if you don't tip them. Don't tip them. Yeah, I don't, don't see the big deal here. And if it's more money in the wrestlers' pockets, good for them. Yeah, I, I never, care? I never get mad at anything that that gets people more money. So yeah, what the hell do I care? I don't know why people are up in arms about that. I mean, you know, it's like you said, either you don't want to tip, don't tip. If you want to yeah, tip, very easy just not do it. I mean, it's not like they're taking the show away. If you don't tip, you know, yeah, you could, if you don't tip, leave a Bates, they're going to block your stream. Like, yeah, I mean, you could, you could pick the wrestler. I believe that you can specifically yeah, yeah, say yeah. who you want your money to go to. And if, if you think that, uh, Adam Cole really worked his ass off or Brandy Rhodes 
or Ethan Page, or uh, I couldn't even say Brandy Rhodes with a shit. <laughs> I'm going to tip Brandy Rhodes. I'm going to do that. You can tip them a couple extra bucks, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't see the big deal. But this card looks like shit. Um, I can't recommend watching this garbage. Uh, looks like shit to me. I can't believe it sold out. Um, I don't know who would buy a ticket to this. Um, you know, but there you go. That's right. And listen, Wrestle Circus is a company I've defended in the past and have gone to their shows and said that they were tremendous. So I'm yeah. just being fair here. This is a shit. Rich, am I lying? This is a terrible No, this show. is a really shitty card. And, and I've loved their card. And, and and they're a company that has been, and rightfully so, it put into the upper echelon of like the super indies. When people talk about super indies, Wrestle Circus now has become like synonymous. Oh, with they're that. a super indie for sure. Yeah, and, and they are. But yeah, you look at this, it's like that's the, like a super indie cannot have a card that looks like this. It's, it's... Rich, this is the proverbial show. Where if it was in my backyard, I'd close the blinds. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, let, let me move on to uh, AEW here. So this is a show that I will not be attending, and not because I don't want to go, but because I uh, have some other stuff to do. I have uh, my my dachshund. Hans is going to be in a uh, dachshund race, a wiener dog race. What? So that's why I cannot go to this show. Yep, it's true. <laughs> How are you not bringing this up until now? We could have done 20 oh, minutes I apologize. on this. I, okay, well, yeah, let's go. He's in a dachshund race. Yeah, he's you fast. Well, phones dachshunds. Lance Hoyt. Lance Hoyt, who's in an open we challenge. Always talk about, we always talk about yeah, Him and I always talk about Daxons. But uh, yeah, so uh, we, we've always wanted to get him in. And for whatever reason, like things haven't worked out or this event was going on when we were in. So now we found there's one right around the corner from us. And yeah, he, he's ready to go. He's been carb loading all week um, Been training him. He's, he's ready to go. He's fired up. He's I want to see you. But... You need to post a YouTube video with the Rocky theme of this dog <laughs> training. I yeah. want to see this. He's resting up. Oh, he's resting up right now. Yeah, he's snoring really loud. Are you injecting him with so. PEDs? I, I cannot confirm or deny that. So, and we're also not sure that he's 100 percent dachshund because we got him from a, a shelter, so oh, he might man. be mixed with something else. He's you definitely like he's definitely mostly dachshund, but he he's got kind of long legs. He might get disqualified. Like, I wonder if he's going to win, and then someone's going to be like, "We got to drug test that dog. That dog is is on something, or something's not right here." Like, my dachshund doesn't lose to that dog, and then like, yeah, he, right. We got a DNA test him to see if we said like it'll be great if there's like a 30 for 30 where like he goes on and wins like seven. Type, like a Lance Armstrong type thing where he's just like got all these medals and people are always like talking about him and there's always this hush hush. And then finally, you know, it comes out where Michelle and I are like, no, you know, look, he's, he's part min pin and something like that. And we have to give up all the titles. And, great hound. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. We have to, give up, we have to then, give up all these titles and give it all up. And he's, he gets depressed and he gets fat and you know, he had the glory and then he lost. That's a good 30 for 30. It's, it's waiting to be written. So, well, well, let's talk about this show that you're blowing off for the Dotson race because there's some <laughs> funky ass matches on this. Yeah, baby. So this is a funky weekend. Everybody's uh, going nuts here. So this is AW in LaSalle. So of course, uh, if you're not familiar with AW, they're obviously the Chicago-based promotion. Uh, they run mostly uh, 115 Bourbon Street now. They used to run the the Berwyn Eagles Club. They'll still run the Berwyn Eagles Club from time to time, but they've outgrown that and they've had to go to 115 Bourbon Street. Uh, they do a few shows at the Logan Square Auditorium, which is the bigger venue uh, in the city of Chicago. So they got a few venues that they go to now. Well, they inherited the LaSalle territory from Dreamwave, who used to be a very unique in uh, a super indie that would just be like they'd book all these guys. You're like, how the fuck are they? And there's 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 some stories of how they they were getting around uh, that or why they were paying guys, whatever. But we'll, we'll get into that another time if we really need to. But uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, AW inherited the LaSalle territory, which is an interesting spot for them. And it was kind of curious how they were going to work it and what they were going to do here. And they've kind of found their footing in LaSalle. Like initially, they kind of booked it like it was just a normal AW show. And those did fine. But now they've started to throw some bones to... Because uh, it's a completely different crowd. I mean, LaSalle, just to give people an idea, about an hour and a half away from Chicago. Maybe two hours, depending on how traffic is or whatever. So it's far away, and it's a completely different crowd. And if, you, if you're familiar with 
uh, big city and then go an hour and a half away from a big city in the Midwest, uh, it's night and day. It is, nobody is the same. There's a very obvious like difference between those fans and Chicago fans or whatever. So it's been kind of unique to see how they've kind of towed that line, but they've done a pretty good job of it so far. Uh, so, but this is a show that's coming up this weekend. It's called Jawbreaker. Um, you got Cody Rice, Brett Gakia, who's uh, one half of Zero Gravity, uh, Myron Reed, Jake Something, Eric Cannon, and Juwanti Miller uh, is in your opener. You got Mike Hartenbauer, who is from LaSalle. He is the uh, LaSalle's favorite, Mike Hartenbauer. Uh, he's going to be going against Bucky Collins. Uh, you got Alex Daniels and David Vega. talking about where they're booking some of the old... Uh, yeah, which is smart, which is absolutely smart. And they're doing something else, too, that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Of guys so the LaSalle shows have a different feel than the... Uh, right, because they initially Irwin were like... Shows, they were initially just like, hey, let's just do AEW shows out there and, and, and see how it goes. And they've realized, hey, it's probably better to maybe adapt the shows a little bit towards that crowd and work that out. Right. And that's like Mark Hartenbauer is a perfect example. He's from LaSalle. He was an old Dreamwave guy. Works perfect to book him. So he's against Bucky Collins. Um, Alex Daniels and David Vega, obviously representing Ohio, uh, those two guys, and then Ace Perry and Paco, and uh, Paco is one of the better sellers. And in, in I mean, the guy's incredible. He's uh, he's both. I believe Ace Perry and Paco are both from uh, Elgin's uh, training camp, which is is producing a lot of talent as well. And that's something that we should talk about somewhere uh, in the next few weeks. Is is uh, what Elgin's sort of set up there in St. Louis uh, with Glory Pro and his training. I mean, he is doing big stuff there. So uh, good stuff there. Uh, Andrew Everett versus Chucky T. Chuck Taylor. Uh, Nick Brubaker, who again is kind of a LaSalle, that area type of guy, uh, he'll be against CJ Esparza. Uh, ACH versus Matt Fitchett. And then here's where it's a little interesting here. Bob Holly versus Keith Lee. Yes, that Bob Holly. So they booked Bob Holly a few months ago. I think half is kind of a joke and have to kind of see how it worked out. Well, he was a big deal. He was over big. Everybody in LaSalle loved him, and they brought him back. And, and this is another interesting example of – Did you see the Bob Holly match? I, no, I did not see the original one, but I, I, I did not see it. But people were, really did like it a lot. Did you people get good reviews? Uh, people got like good reviews as much of a, a Bob Holly. Like he came out there, he tried a little bit, but more than anything, the crowd liked him and the crowd was into yeah. him and the crowd was anticipated. And, and this is a difference because Dreamwave and what initially got me to Dreamwave is they would book a Kevin Nash, a Scott Hall, a Shawn Michaels. They would always book these on these shows and you'd go there and those guys would be there and hanging out or whatever, signing autographs. That was a big thing. Mick Foley, Ricky Steamboat, Mean Gene. I saw all those guys. Vader was another guy I saw there. So they would always do that. They would always throw a bone to kind of get people in. Hey, here's a guy that you probably know. Uh, come to this indie show and check out these other guys. I mean, that, the oldest trick in the book there. Right. Well, AW is now inherited. AW does not do that. AW books their guys. They book whether it's super indie guys, guys they've sort of built up. They've always been that sort of. They've never been the company that hey, come watch McFoley and sign some autographs or whatever. They've never been that company. They're starting to be in LaSalle. They're realizing, hey, this is a pretty good thing to get these people in here to LaSalle. So they're booking a Bob Holly, and he's competent enough where he's going to go in there and have a decent match. Well, it's Bob Holly versus Keith Lee. That sounds pretty fucking fun if Bob Holly's out there and he's going to try a little bit. So, so pretty cool on them. Uh, for that, uh, they're doing a women's championship tournament, so they're in, uh, introducing an, a, a women's uh, title uh, in AEW, something that they have not had before. Uh, Jessica Havoc versus Leia Vaughn, uh, and then the, another first-round matchup, you got Samantha Heights versus Ivelisse, so uh, booking some pretty big names in there. Of course, uh, Ivelisse, English Underground, Jessica Havoc from uh, many different places as well. Um, then you got AEW. Jessica Havoc's been an AEW regular. She's been there for a while. Well, as long as they book Sammy Callahan, they've been booking Jessica Havoc. So. Right. <laughs> Well, wasn't she? So that's that's the only connection there. I thought for sure that she was. Well, you would know better than me, but I thought she's been. She's she used to pop up in, during the like the Shimmer weekends, uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's her, she's really that's ramped up the bookings. Yeah. She's really ramped up the bookings ever since they've been starting to book Sammy Callahan. Because hey, I mean, if Sammy's got to drive over, might as well <laughs> might as well book Jessica too, yeah. I guess. So uh, a little Russell Circus <laughs> there. Uh, but yeah, then you have an AEW tag team title match: Zachary Wentz and Desmond Xavier versus Stephen Wolf and Trey Miguel. 
Uh, those are a lot of young guys too, and that's something I wanted to bring up in a sec after I, I go through the main event here. Uh, then your main event is Sammy Callahan, Dave Christ, and Jake Christ, oink, and Sammy Callahan. Uh, versus Juventud Guerrera, Ray Phoenix, and AR Fox. <laughs> what the fuck? That's insane. <laughs> That's just fucking insane. I really want to go to the show. I mean, the show looks awesome. But I really want to talk about uh, Wentz, Xavier, uh, Wolf, and Miguel. And that's something that AW got a lot of shit for the last few years of being the super indie. They booked Saber, and they booked yeah. the Hero, and they booked whoever. They booked whatever PWG would book. They, that was it. They had this idea that, oh, you're not, you're not pushing young guys. You're not pushing uh, up-and-coming dudes or whatever. Dijak, Kiampa. Yeah, Sean. exactly. You're, you're just going for the paint-by-numbers, who are the super indie guys. Book those guys. No stories, just dream matches or whatever. Uh, and they did, and they, I, I think they kind of freely admitted that that's what they were doing for a little while, as long as they yeah. could. And then the second those a lot of those guys got nabbed up by WWE or they couldn't book them anymore, they went back to kind of what they had done before, and that was a blend of super indie guys. And they've always booked you know your ricochets, they've always booked your your top tier indie dudes, but then mixed them in with kind of localish guys or or younger guys, and they're back to doing that again. They had the opportunity to book Saber and, and Hero and all those guys. Why wouldn't you? Of course you're going to do that. They, yeah. they because they did that, they outgrew all their venues and they got their business skyrocketed. So right. yeah, I mean right. jokes on on who? I mean they and they're they, running you know, two different towns now, and right. So I mean and and they're still running them successfully because they built up a lot of these uh, guys on the undercard too. And that's what you're seeing right now with this AW. This is, you know, listed as the, you know, the semi-main event here is, is Wentz and Xavier versus Wolf and Miguel. And those are all young dudes. And those are all young title match. So they're yeah, exactly. Pushed. Yeah, so these are all pushed commodities as well. Exactly. So they, they've really done a good job of that. And then up and down the card too, Um, we have a review up on the website of the United, uh, United We Stand show. And that was when the case low reviewed. And in his final thoughts, he basically said, like, the young guys dominated the show. Like, you had uh, Myron Reed and ACH had a really good match. You had uh, uh, Wolf and Miguel had a really good one. Uh, Wentz and Xavier won the tag team titles in that show. Uh, you got a guy like a Matt Fitchett who's been around for a while, but they're sort of building up on their own a little bit. Uh, guys like an Alex Daniels is, is sort of coming. Paco, Ace Perry. So you got a lot of these really good young wrestlers that are on these shows and, and, and slowly and surely building up. So I think a lot of people need to apologize to AW in a sense because they were getting a lot of shit for that of, of oh, you're booking these. And, and you know, we were talking, I was, you know, talking to some of the AW guys and, and, and their basic response was, well, why the fuck wouldn't we? Like, of course we're going to book Tommaso Chap if he wants to come. Of course we're going to book a Chris Hero if he wants to come. And to their credit, they built up their business and their business exploded as a result of it. Well, those guys have gone and it's not like they've just said, okay, well, what the hell do we do now? We're screwed. They've said, okay, and went back to what they were doing before, but the business hasn't suffered. So, you know, they've done exactly what you're supposed to do in, in, in this case. They had a few months where they booked a lot of super indies, but yeah, they got a lot of undue shit for being a company that, like PWG, that just kind of jacks around and, and, and fucks around and just books, you know, dream matches. And they haven't been that for a while. And they, they aren't that right now. And this year, 2017, has been completely different than that. So it's, it's kind of cool. And, and these LaSalle shows have been a pretty good example of that because they've been able to take a little bit more risks and, and been able to book uh, a little bit more of the undercard talent and put them in bigger spots. And, and it's paid off because now you got guys like a Wentz and Xavier who, who are over-pushed commodities and, and, and credible tag team champions too. So uh, pretty good stuff by uh, AW. So it's a really cool show if you're in the Chicago area and want to drive an hour and a half. It's a fun drive too. Uh, I mean, I say that you're you're just surrounded by farms, but it's a uh, you can go very fast on the highway. If that's a uh, uh, but you can get there kind of quick, and it feels like a completely different atmosphere than the Chicago show. So if you have not been to LaSalle uh, and seen an AEW or Dreamwave show, I, I definitely recommend trying to get up there if you can. We were going to do the Progress in New York City show, but I think we're running out of time. So why don't we do this? Those are that's a double shot with Evolve, right? So uh, correct, yeah, and it's not until the following weekend. It's not this weekend, so we can talk about that next week. Right? They deserve a, probably a, a proper because we're gonna blow through it if we do it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we did with Dragon Gate last week, and I still feel bad about that. Why do we always fuck Dragon Gate? It's really <laughs> amazing. Um, but yeah, so we'll preview the uh, 
the progress and evolve show because we weren't going to do evolve. We might as well do both of them next week um, since they're uh, running in conjunction with each other. And there's a little bit of crossover going on. Plus, I think progress might add to these shows a little bit. I don't think this is a full card. So uh, why don't we hold off on that? Because I know we're running a little low on time. And um, I think that's about it. I got nothing left, man. Yeah, uh, really quickly, I, w- I wanted to talk about the, um, the, the – we should save this one because I think it's a better topic anyway to go on. I was going to talk about which, you know, the, which uh, the the indie runs, like post-WWE yeah, indie have, runs. That's but, the thing, we're at time. Yeah, so we, 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 we want to give that a lot of time because I have a lot of strong thoughts about that and, and discussions about that or whatever. So we are going to hold that one off. I, I think that would be – it'd suck if we just lumped it into the end of the show. So that, that doesn't sound very good. So, uh, yeah, I got nothing more then. <laughs> My sheet is done, and uh, yeah. So uh, I did have a question for you, though. Really quick, I yeah. kind of end the show. Um, so you you were returning from Houston before we recorded the show, right? You're driving. From I was. Houston. Okay, I I spent two hours in Houston once. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong. No, I was I was at an airport, but okay, well. yeah, no, sort of. But it it and correct me if I'm wrong. It is consistently listed as one of the most obese cities in the country, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Have you always have you ever noticed that? Does it seem fatter to you than other cities? Have not. Anecdotally, I have not noticed it. Okay, well, try try to see if, especially if, if you're going to be in that area. Because when I was there, so I, I know that it was an obese city or considered an obese city, and I was at the airport, and that's not really a great representation of a city because everyone's at, you know a bunch of different people from all over the world or you know at, at an airport or whatever. Look at the workers. Yeah, exactly. But no, and that's it, exactly. So I was like, well, I've always heard it's fat, and I noticed a lot of fat people. And then little by little, I was like, wait, it's it's the janitor, the guy that works at this right. The person that's running the, the gift shop, the, the person that's selling Houston, we have a problem shirts or whatever. All those are, they're all gigantic. And I was like, God damn, <laughs> this is a fat city. Like everybody in that airport, every single worker in that airport was huge, gigantic. And I was curious because you had been there if, if that was something that, because I know it's listed as that, but you know, stats can be a little weird in terms of like cities and obesity rates or whatever. So I was curious if you had ever noticed it being a particularly fat city. I do a lot of business in Houston. Um, I haven't noticed that it's an obese city, uh, even though, yeah, you're right. All of those statistics will uh, tell you that. It's a very obese city. Haven't noticed it myself. I will tell you this. Of all the cities I go to in Texas, it has the worst Tinder selection of any. It's, a, it's not a good-looking city. The Bosch territory does nothing for me, Krach. I got to tell you. Um, college Station is a very attractive city because it's a college town. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's a Southern college town, um, Austin, pretty attractive city, uh, San Antonio. I don't do well in the Blanchard territory, but, uh, it is, uh, you know, you got your spicy Latinas out there. It's not a bad looking Tinder city. You know what I'm saying? Um, Houston, awful. A lot of left swiping in Houston. Let me tell you (laughs) a lot of left swiping. I don't do a ton of right swiping in Houston. So I don't know about the obese part. Haven't noticed that, but uh, it is an ugly city. Yeah, so attractiveness wise, Houston, uh, not, no, on, it does, not yeah, high on your no, list. It's not good. Um, I'll tell you, we've buried the Isle of Man and we've buried <laughs> Houston on this show. So um, this happens when you, we uh, don't have any topics. We just bury, yeah, we just bury everybody that's listening. <laughs> right. So the French, I, we buried the French earlier. You also buried the French, correct? Yeah. Uh, you really had a lot of vit- the vitriol in your voice when you talked about the French. <laughs> it was I call, just, free, I call them freedom fries still to this day. 
Hey, listen. That's not true. I don't know. <laughs> that was, you know, that's a little extreme, but, you know. Remember that was actually a thing? That was, uh, that was great. That became a thing. Why, <laughs> why did that become a thing, though? What, what was our issue with France? Because uh, they wouldn't go to Iraq with us. Oh, is that what it was? Like, hey, we're going to Iraq. Who wants to come in? And everybody was like, mm, not really. We don't really care that much. Well, everyone everyone got behind that except France. Did they? Uh, Eng- England.